Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. Like football, life can be unpredictable. That's why State Farm agents are there to help. Like I'll be helping you today with football picks. With over 19,000 agents, a local State Farm agent can be just around the block, whether you're talking person by phone or through the app. State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Meanwhile, there's a time when healthcare made house calls. Thanks to CVS Health, that time has come again. Home care managers who provide help to those who need it most. Trained nurses who administer IV treatments right in patients' home with uh, prescription delivered in millions of homes each year. CVS Health creating the future of health using a simple idea from the past. Kind of like when the NFL team, when they'll run a wishbone every once in a while on 31, something like that. Because at CVS Health, health is everything. Not all services available in all states. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network, where I have two other podcasts this week. Sorry for all the good podcast content this week. Sometimes I just have to do it to you. Five good ones this week, including the rewatchables. We did Happy Gilmore and the Book of Basketball podcast broke down 2006. Game seven, Spurs, Mavs. So that happened. Also wanted to mention, we're doing the rewatchables on AMC in December, December 16th, 8 p.m., part of AMC's Best Christmas Ever, me and Chris Ryan making our rewatchables television debut during Elf. Whoa. Yeah. All made possible by IHOP, where you can try the Elf on the Shelf menu new and only for a limited time. Remember, tune in, set your DVRs for the rewatchables on AMC, Elf, Monday, December 16th at 8 PM. Incredible. Needless to say, Peter Dinklage, you're not going to be surprised what award he wins when we do the rewatchables for that one. Anyway, coming up, we have a hodgepodge podcast for you. Brian Windhorst, my buddy Jacko, Mallory Rubin. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Brian Windhorst is here. He's here because we just taped the excellent book of basketball 2.0 podcast. I don't want to spoil. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, but since you're here, I thought we would talk NBA for, um, I don't know. You don't do this at all. You don't really talk about basketball with your current job. <laughs> um, I never see you on any shows. <laughs> Every day is a new adventure. What are we going to talk about today? Do you do you have a place anymore or do you just, are you just like John Wick? You go from studio <laughs> to studio. The thing about it is like uh, nobody knows where I live. They all think I live in LA or they live somewhere somewhere else. If you live anywhere, you might not right. live. Right. Um, you might be driving around like in a Madden cruiser, just going to these different locations. That's right. I would love to have that. I'd love that. You know, that's the that's when you've really achieved. Like when Kornheiser had that bus. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's the heights. A, that's, Those are the heights. Yeah. That's a thing. So I think this has been an unusually entertaining and fun NBA season. But we see, we tend to dwell in the negative with this stuff, and starting with China before the season, and then it's like the ratings are down. How do we fix stuff? And start complaining about stuff, and the Knicks stink. And I I think maybe just society is more negative. I've really enjoyed the night tonight basketball. I think it's been really good. Yeah, I think if you focus, I, I hate to sound like David Stern here, but whenever the NBA would go through tough times with Stern, he would go, "The game will win out." Yeah. And like, if how can you watch the Miami Heat play this year, and not 
be excited about the Huge game. Huge win. How about Toronto being like yeah. true defending champs? And I think that the Celtics are one of the most fun teams to watch right now. Um, like there's a lot of surprises around. Um, well, they, you, we talked right before we went on that the fact that this is really the first time the East is as good as the West from a top five or top six, however you want to go. Yeah, the top I, six is as good as I, the top six in the West. I'd like to believe that. I think the top two in the West are better. I agree. Like if I was picking, if we were drafting teams to win, I would pick the two LA teams before Milwaukee. And the Milwaukee fans would get mad because they they're like, we just won 15 straight. We're I winning agree. by 12 points a game and we had the best player in the league. And everybody's thinking this is happening like on some alternate universe. I know. I get it. You know, I was in I was in China for um, the World Cup. Little did I know that was the good China trip. Jesus. You know? The last fun days in China <laughs> for basketball. Um, and I had this Chinese crew with me. They, they did not know the NBA very well, but they knew basketball. They spoke English. They knew basketball. And so we were with Team USA for three straight weeks. And when we got two weeks in, um, they started asking me, this one guy started asking me, Ming. Ming was, was a very good man started asking me about what some of these players who are on Team USA make. And um, I go, yeah, he, uh, Brooke Lopez just signed a four-year, $50 million deal. He was like, what? Because Lopez was awful yeah. in China. And I said, Chris Middleton, who was like, he maybe had a good six quarters out of the whole time. There. I would say he was semi-awful. Um, he was below average. I was like, yeah, he just signed for $170 million. Uh, he, and he just like fell out of his seat. Um and in and of themselves, they're, you know, Middleton's a good player, but he's not, you know, you think about, he just couldn't believe after watching Middleton play. But when you put them together around, and by the way, Giannis was terrible there. Terrible and miserable. It reminded me of when Messi has to play for Argentina <laughs> and he's just like, ah, man, what am I going to do with this roster? So like to tell him that like, oh, put Giannis, because we saw Giannis play a couple of games, Giannis, Middleton, and, 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 um, Lopez together, and that's like the core of the best team in the league. He'd have been like, "What's going on? What's all these people talking about the NBA?" But when you put them together, they fit. They fit well together, um, and that just you know. So that, I respect the Bucks because I do think that they're built well around Giannis. But I don't look at them in a four, in a in a race to four against the LA teams and feel as good about it. From a regular season standpoint. They make a lot of sense. And I think this is the special thing about Giannis. You know, we're taping this on a Wednesday. Last night after the Philly-Denver game, Barkley and Shaq went in on Embiid a little bit. And they did it. It's it's interesting now how they couch their comments. And I think that's more a reflection of, and you and I, are, we're in a similar boat. You're always thinking about how people are going to receive what you're saying because it's so easy to have it get thrown against you and be like, oh, you're just hating and stuff like that. In the old days, they just would have ripped and bead. Right. And these days they're saying they're doing it a little more carefully, but they're basically saying, we don't like what we're seeing from him night to night because he's not consistent enough. And if you want to be great, consistency is what makes somebody great. Be Knowing that it's a TNT game against Denver, you're going against Jokic one of your supposed rivals, this is a game you should have 37 points and 12 rebounds. And and Shaq, who I, I think has gotten really good on that show as as the, as he's gotten more reps, and he's just like, we're not criticizing you. We're giving you knowledge. We've been in these positions. We've been on the best teams. We've battled the best players. Like, we know what it takes, and you're not good enough yet. 
And on the flip side, I look at somebody like Giannis, and Giannis night after night delivers. And I think that's, I think he should, through 20 games, he's the MVP or 21 yeah, games. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's what really makes him special is night after night after night, he's the same. Embiid, I don't know what I'm getting from Embiid. If you if you play daily fantasy or something and you have Embiid as your center, like, good luck. You might It might work one night. The next night, he might not show up. And I think that's a real thing. And I, if he really wants to be great, it's he's got to start walking the walk a little. I would love to have the minutes from the conversations between Elton Brand and ownership, and I guess Brett Brown was involved in, in his front office, when they made the decision to do what they did with their roster this year, which was, we're not going to re-sign Jimmy. Which they knew they weren't because they didn't offer him a max, which he he knew. I mean, they gave him an offer, but there's more to that story though, and even I don't have it. I don't, I don't even, even have the inside. I can't say it on the podcast, but I know what happened. Something happened behind the scenes, and nobody's talking about it. I don't know whether Simmons felt like Butler was too pro Embiid, or there was some fight we don't know about. But yeah, I don't know. Butler's alluded to it though a couple of times. He's oh. like, I had to go. It was time to leave, but yeah. he hasn't explained why. Yeah, that's that's sort of an invoke thing that like Paul George the other day saying. Um, oh, about OKC. Yeah. Yeah. No, about uh, Indiana. He was in Indiana and he said, there's a real villain here. What does that mean? I think he's talking about the legend. Oh. Yeah. Like he said that when they went to Indiana, he got booed really heavily. And people were like, why is he getting booed? He hasn't been gone for three years. And he's like, when I tell my story, you know, <laughs> this happens, you know, guys getting... <laughs> I remember when Bill O'Reilly got knocked out. And he's like, "Wait till I, wait till the truth comes out." Well, it's yeah. been four years. Um, uh, he said, "You know, when you hear what the villain is, you know, you'll know who the real villain is." And well, you know what I know? He's going to get hit by a lightning bolt now. You don't blaspheme <laughs> the legend. Well, I, he didn't say that, but when I talked to people in Indiana, they felt like, you know, his last his last healthy year after he came back from the broken leg. You know, he came back and played a few games. Then he came back and and they wanted to move him to power forward. Yeah. And Bird was basically like, I don't care if you don't want to play there, go down there and play. And that's what people I've talked to in Indiana think that's what he's referring to. I don't know hmm. for sure. So when Jimmy says there's something else, maybe it was super duper important. Maybe it wasn't. But even if you say- I sidetracked it. You were talking about Philly's roster. I know. Just, but that's when, Jim, when Jimmy- No, it's okay. It's bad hosting by me. No, I, I brought it back because I knew you'd want to hear about Larry. Um, the When you look at Jimmy Butler, like even if that decision had to be made because of some unknown thing- the decision to sign Horford, the decision to use that money on Horford and come into the season and say, okay, in the 2019-20 NBA, this is going to be our roster or we're going to, we're going to rely on Tobias Harris to generate shots for us when we need it. I would have, because I think that the Sixers have made a lot of good decisions. But Well, the I, Thibault thing, yeah. that was really smart. Yeah. They, I was so mad. I wanted him for the Celtics so badly. It fucking kills me. And you know, every just, time he has good highlights. And were you excited about Carson Edwards? Because that's essentially the player that they got for moving back. I much rather. I would have taken Thibault 14th. Well, that's who I just they got. I feel like this guy was not just elite defensively. This guy was like transcendent de defensively. And the question of him was, well, he can't shoot yet. It's like, if this guy tries this hard on defense, he's going to learn how to shoot. He will be in the gym every day, at least figuring out how to make a corner three. And then he's a different player. Right. But so I think they've made a lot of good decisions, but I question them going into the season and saying this roster is going to work. It's kind of, I was there for, for, but I don't think either of us feel like they've made good decisions because well, the decision had to ultimately be, we're going to have this big, goofy, weird team and offensively we can make it work. 
So they're they're gambling, right? At that point, the gamble has not paid off because offensively, they when they get to like a game five, game six, game seven, and a round two, I don't know how they're going to score. I was there for their training camp, and I just I felt what they were trying to do was an audacious. It was an audacious plan. I liked it. I picked them to make the finals. I was like, this a is lot of weird. People did. I'm in. It's a, defensively, Zach, they're going to be awesome. I think Zach did too, right? Yeah, but only after he exchanged 40 texts with me about it and probably 10 <laughs> other people. Know, Zach has this whole process. He agonizes. Hey, I was just wondering, who, who are you picking to make the finals? I know. He agonizes over this like he's- He making, has a way of making people feel like they're the only person he's texted, but you know he's just copy-pasting <laughs> with 15 people, especially around awards time. And when he's like when he's in the middle of writing like a big column, like you know, he, he references it like, it's it's on the like of course this week I'm doing my, you know my my all whatever team yeah like like, like you of course you know that it's the third <laughs> week of December of course you know that, um, a lot of people pick the the Sixers but I just remember being there and I talk I talked to Embiid I talked to Simmons I talked to Al, and I was just like this this is really a gamble what they're doing here. Well, um, I think the the Rosillo. Rosillo's been upset about it all season. Where I'm on a lot of texts with him and Joe House about it. Just fundamentally what they're doing is wrong. So it's like, I'm not ready to give up on them yet because this whole idea that Embiid should be 25 feet from the basket and Simmons should be more down low and Horford is just a non-factor at 27 feet from the basket. Like the geometry of the entire team is so poorly constructed. I just assume at some point they'll fix this, right? If I, if I built a house and I put the TV in the middle of the room, and you walked in the house and be like, boy, that's weird. Why isn't the TV on a wall? I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> just sit in that chair. Yeah. The TV's just going to be there. And you're like, yeah, but this is weird. You can just put it on the wall. I'm like, no. I that's know, kind of what their offense is like. I know you love what ifs. Yeah. So what if they had offered Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis? Kyle was there. You were producing those pods. I was calling for that. That was the trade. Yeah. Plus, and by the way, huge, New Orleans says win. yes. Yes, because he's LSU. I know he's there for 15 minutes, but not only is he an all-star, but they can sell it. Would you trade Tobias for Chris Paul? No. I mean, I understand why you would I understand why you would say it, but I just I can't I can't take that on. I can't. Would you shop MB? I would try to get Drew Holiday. So everybody's everybody wants Drew Holiday. You know why? Because he's really good. Yeah. I wouldn't trade Drew Holiday if I were the Pelicans, would you? Depends on what the what the ask what the offer is. Would you trade Drew Holiday for Simmons? Because that's one of my favorite fake trades. If I were the Pelicans, yeah. Well, that's an interesting. That's one. the most logical, fun trade on the internet right now. I don't even know if it's on the internet. I'm I guessing. mean, I, I feel like Philly would want something else in the deal. Really? I'd be so happy I got Drew Holiday. Because now I'm like, wow, we can win the finals now. If I can get him beat, well, in but you're shape. Th you're talking about a guy who's under who's who's signed under contract, twenty one years old. You don't have to worry about him. He's with your team for five years. Like, what is Simmons five years from now? This is a very polarizing topic. I just there are certain there are certain people who think that Simmons is Magic Johnson light, and they will defend that. So the case for Simmons, he's such a great athlete. And he really does have a high basketball IQ and he does stuff, especially at the end of the games defensively, that if you go back and watch like early Magic, early Bird, early MJ, anybody, he he does have these same, the bigger the stakes, the smarter he is defensively instincts. 
And yet, like how many, how many big games has he ever been in? You know, like does that, at some point, does it matter that you've gone through high school, LSU, nothing, Sixers, you got a taste of it last year. But I watched him at the end of these games offensively and he just seems lost to me. Well, he's also kind of defiant about changing his game. You know, Jokic is like that too. You go to Jokic and say, boy, if you were in better condition or if you did this, he's like, I'm an all-NBA player. I've got a max contract, I'm an all-NBA player. What, what, don't talk to me. I'm fine. And Simmons is kind of the same way. Like, he will get angry if you talk too much about it. He just doesn't want to talk about it. And uh, like Giannis recognizes he's got to improve his jump shot. You see him working on it. It's not going great, but he's making incremental progress. You can see him yeah. like, putting in the work. And I know that Ben has put in the work to a certain extent because he he is shooting a little bit better, but he doesn't seem – that's what's so frustrating is that he seems like, look, I'm going to play the way I want to play. And, again, it goes to the audacious thing. that The Sixers are playing in another era, and they've got a point guard from another era. And what they're basically saying is we gamble at the cost of $400 million that we signed all these guys to that this is going to work. And it flies in the face of a lot of what the NBA is right now. That's why I'm saying it's it's a – it's a real audacious plan. I think he's a f almost a finished product defensively and just unfinished offensively. Right. Which and it's weird to watch him because I thought the opposite was going to be the case coming in. But, but he's a big part of a lot of wins. I mean, they rack off wins, and he's. When you talk about the audaciousness, though, I just assume they felt like they can move whoever they actually need to move. Well, Tobias Every guy Harris has that, always been tradable. Right. But, but Harris now that KOC was on the pod two weeks ago and I was like, they, you know, they move Harris and he's like, have you seen his year by year numbers? I was like, what is it? Like 28 the first year is like 36. I was like, oh my God, 36 like, million for Tobias that's Harris. That's like McCollum. Yeah. Like, um, because some, some people have said the trailblazers should move into punt formation here and think about trading, trading McCollum. Colm's contract is poor. McCollum. I've been guilty of it too. He always get. He's always the guy to go. When it's like we got to trade. But the, I don't think they've ever come close to it. Like I've never even heard one whiff. Me neither. But that's ever been on the table. So I had a thing on my pod last week about changing the trade percentage thing to fifty percent of the salary. From what is it, twenty five now or thirty? It's seventy five percent or eighty percent. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, it depends on twenty five or seventy five, depending on which side you look at. Right. So. Kevin Love, who makes $29 million, the Cavs can't trade him to any team that the salaries have to add up to at least like 23. Yeah. Something like that. And this is a relic of last decade when, you know, they're trying to protect the smaller market teams. They're trying to make sure there's not too many trades. Right. But the guys back then were making 13 to 18 million, the best players. They never saw a scenario where Chris Paul was going to be making $39 million a year. I know. And it's absurd to try to line up these contracts because it's turned into this have, have nots thing where you have the best guys making between 29 and 40. And then you have a bunch of guys making between, you know, three and 12. Right. So you have a situation like the Celtics where they're really <laughs> one move away and they either have small contracts or giant contracts. The, the Celtics can't, they can't do anything. No, they're, they're sort of, which is one of the reasons why I think it would have been interesting if they had actually extended Terry Rozier. I think that was the only reason they considered doing it. Not last, not when he became a free agent, but last the, year. But like going into the season, yeah, to have an asset, right? That they. But could he move. unfortunately he knew that that would be the reason. Yeah. Well, he, he, would take, he would have taken. Well, he ended up doing just fine. But like they can't trade Marcus Smart. Like I hear people say, "Oh, um, they could do this. They could trade Mark." I'm like, Marcus Smart's the heart and soul of the team. 
He's the not trading him. He might be Brad Stevens' favorite player of all time. Yeah. And Gordon Hayward, he's finally playing like Gordon Hayward. You can't trade him. So, Gordon Hayward could have been had last summer, I think, by by an aggressive team. I don't think. I think the Celtics would have. I don't think they were ever going to shop him. But if the think, Cavs had been like, hey, Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward, let's talk. I don't think so. You I don't think, think so? You think, think they would ride him to the bitter end? It's my feel that the Celtics will not trade Gordon Hayward. I hope so. They traded Isaiah Thomas. So like, I'm, like, I'm just judging I, them I, by I past history. I know what you're saying. They have no loyalty to any of this stuff. This is what I can say. Yeah. It's my feel that they will not trade Gordon Hayward. Going forward? Or backward. Okay. Going forward, no way. I don't think he was ever available to be traded. Well, I don't that's think they feel. shopped him. My feel is that. That's all, that's, that's all I can say without getting aggregated. So that's all I can say. Oh, my feel. Ag- oh, God. The aggregators. Well, yeah. Well, then my phone rings from Bristol, and they want to know why I didn't report the story. So That would be funny if I, if I had pods with NBA people, and every time there's a threat of aggregators, we just had actors playing aggregators coming in with computers. You know, like, I respect it as a job, but, like, when I do podcasts, sometimes I have to say. You have to be careful. This is a disclaimer. I am not reporting this. I'm saying this is my opinion. Yeah. Because you say something, and next thing it shows up, and the – the, the teams or the agents or the players or the GMs, they don't listen to the whole podcast. They just see the, the push alert on their phone. And I get a phone call from Rich Paul going, what the hell did you just say yeah. about Anthony Davis? I was like, no, 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 no. I, you know, I was talking about, so it's, a, it's fine. I just have to be really careful. I don't think Gordon Hayward's getting traded. That's my personal opinion. He's 100,000% not getting traded. Okay. I would also be bad if they traded him. I really like the Celtics team. I want to talk about them on one side. We're taking a break. Hey, FrameBridge makes it easy and affordable to frame your favorite things from art prints and posters to all your best photos. With the holidays fast approaching, it's the perfect way to give ridiculously easy and thoughtful gifts. If you've ever seen my office and all the framed photos in the background when I take pictures of the guests on my Instagram, guess who framed every photo in this office? FrameBridge. True fact. They do a great job. You can turn a photo from your phone into one of your best gifts ever. Go to FrameBridge.com, upload your photo then... Preview the item online in a variety of frame styles or select one of their best-selling designs. And the expert team at the FrameBridge Factory will custom frame your item, deliver the finished piece, all starting at just $39 plus free shipping. My listeners get 15% off their first order. Use code BS. Go to FrameBridge.com and do this. That's all you have to do. Become a gift-giving legend by using FrameBridge, FrameBridge.com, promo code BS. Uh, the Celtics, really quick. The Team USA thing was great for them. Awesome. This goes back to my case for Team USA that I, everybody was like, uh, another aggregator thing. Uh, he's shitting on Devin Booker for not playing Team USA. It's like, yeah, because the evidence says you should play, you know, these things help. It's good to be in games. It's good to be in weird situations. It's good to be bonded with other people. I think for the Celtics, even though the seventh place was awful. <laughs> It was, um, it was awful, man. It's, oh. It gave them a huge advantage for the season. And I think Tatum and Brown are everything I ever wanted from those guys at this point in their careers. They attack on both ends. They're really good defenders. They can switch on any sort of defensive situation. And it's one of the biggest assets any team has right now. Those two guys. They love Kemba Walker. Yeah. They love him. It's unbelievable. And of He's course, like Gandhi. And of course, there's the Kyrie Irving thing that's the comparison. But right. even if we just drew a veil across that, they love him. Kemba brought his family. They got to know They got to know his family. It was like this, you know, because I, I, I hear these 
these teams like, oh yeah, we went to the Bahamas for three days. We went to San Diego for three days. We had this great training camp in Las Vegas. I do agree that that helps, but this particular situation, these guys went for three weeks, actually longer than that because they had training camps. It was a month and there were new players to play together. And they hung out every single day. They had no choice. They were in China. Yeah. What were they going to do? Right. And um, I think for Thanksgiving, I think he, I think his family had like everybody over or whoever was there the night before. Like he's just one of those guys. My thing about Kemba is this. This is my personal opinion. I see it with Donovan Mitchell too because it showed up in the World Cup. I think in the game 2-2, game 5, elimination game 6, elimination game 7, I think if you really need it, I think it's going to be more challenging for Kemba because of his size. Yeah. And I know that his fans will rush to me and say, well, look where he did the Connecticut. Look where he won this game here at Charlotte. Look where, you know, look at these game winners he hit. I'm not saying he could never do it. I just think that it will be a challenge. But that that's why Tatum, Tatum and Hayward. That's right. That's why that's why the in Celtics, playoff games will be the guys who That's why it's it. gotta be those guys. That's why Jalen Brown's stepping forward this year. You know, Tatum said he you know, he was asked the question. He didn't come out and ask for it, but he said he talked about being an all-star for the first time. If I have to pick all-stars, I'm not picking Tatum first or second off the Celtics. And depending on what you're doing about Hayward, I may not pick him third. And that's not an insult to Tatum. That's Hayward how, can't make it. He missed too many games. Okay, but he's having an all-star. I would say Jalen 1A, Tatum 1B. The thing with Tatum is- Kemba. The, Kemba. I would have Kemba third. Okay, because of their defense, it's pretty valuable. But I, I, would, I could make the argument that if Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker were the Celtics representatives, I wouldn't be upset- and it's not because I have anything against Tatum. I just think that that's how good those guys have played. The advanced metrics with Tatum, even though he hasn't shot that well this year, they're just so much better when he's on the floor. And at some point, I, I'm not a huge plus minus guy. It really, I think it needs a lot of context. I need to know who the backups are and stuff like that. He just allows them to do so many things. I like agree. if you go back to, I, agree. I remember when I was writing about Havlicek in my book and the thing that kept popping up, was one of the things that made him valuable was his ability to really play anywhere. He could be a guard or a forward. He could be the point guard. It, it didn't really matter. So you could build whatever team you had around him and just get players instead of being like, oh, you know, like a Ben Simmons thing. Well, we have Ben Simmons. We have to have this, this, this to succeed. Tatum is this guy who can guard any position. And he can also even play the two guard if you need him to. He can guard he the can center. switch he can on guard anything. Centers. They yeah. played big lineups with him and Jalen as like kind of the quote unquote bigs. And it's just like, all right, we'll make this work. That's what the flexibility he gives them is so much more valuable than the fact that he's only shooting 42% instead of 48 or whatever it is. Because here's the thing, Brad, here's what Brad wants. He, if he has a choice, he's going to pick the most skilled player. Yeah. And so he would rather have five skilled players that he can move around and get them to move on defense and worry about dealing with Embiid. I mean, this is their odd. You, we talked about the Sixers' audacious plan. The way Brad Stevens is playing, their audacious plan is we think we can win this way without, without having a center on the court or with Daniel Tice on the court. The frustrating thing was when Hayward went down, they it was really clicking. And yeah. they've still played pretty well without him, but... It was, I remember I did my tweet and he broke his hand two minutes later, but um, you could really see it. They had figured it out, how to play those three guys together, slash and kick. And I think their destiny in the playoffs is Kemba's not the guy who's going to be deciding. You saw it in the Clippers game. Did you watch that game? Mm -hmm. They were so long. Like his, he got his shot blocked seven times. That's what happened against uh, Serbia. 
like um, Donovan Mitchell and Kemba had played great. I mean, it was 4 a.m. in the morning. I'm not expecting anybody to watch it. Serbia gets up 32 to 7. The U.S. Team USA was down 32 to 7. Yeah. They make this incredible comeback. Donovan scoring. Kemba scoring. Gobert shut them down against France. Shut down yeah. Kemba and, and Mitchell when it mattered. And then in the next game against Serbia, they had all this collection of bigs. It's really hard to trust small guys in in as you get deeper and deeper in the I playoffs. I don't, I don't, and there's a, there's a reason never, Chris Paul's never been in the finals. I know. I know. And it's I, hard. And so, But I think if you're using him a little like how the Cavs used Kyrie in the 2016 finals, kind of where he's the 1B, he's there if you need him, he'll make open threes. Yeah, but you yeah. can't be like Kemba win this game for us because I, I think he's going to have trouble. So the Celtics played the Sixers on opening night. They haven't played since. Right. Sixers pounded them on the boards. Size overwhelmed them. I think there was a 13-point game or something. It was not that close. It might be a bad matchup for the Celtics. So that's my thing. The, yeah. The next three times they play. Could be a puncher thing. I want to watch those games. It could be it could be rock, paper, scissors with Bucks, Sixers, Celtics where all of them are yeah. good matchups against somebody else. And because I want to see if the if because I've asked people from the Celtics about this. Can you because they like their chances against Milwaukee? Yeah. Can you beat the Sixers four out of seven? And I don't they don't know, but they're gonna try. But they might not have to play them, depending on how it goes. The Embiid thing is the great X factor, but it goes back to what we talked about. I'm so is impressed. Is he gonna be in shape? Is he gonna give a is shit? He is he gonna be near the rim? Is he healthy? Is he gonna be healthy? I I I would I don't I'm not a predictions guy, but this could this could be a year where Boston, if it falls right for them, could out of nowhere slice in. Especially because the Nets don't have are not up and running and the Sixers roster is imbalanced. I also I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't count out Miami because I still feel like they have one awesome trade to make and I really like their team. And I think Bam, you know, the people that actually watch basketball know this. It's it's turned into a thing the last few weeks where people are like, Bam Adebayo's 100% an all-star and probably one of the 20 most impactful guys in the league. The the casual fan wouldn't know that. If you watch Miami on League Pass, it's like, this guy's kind of semi-dominant. I mean, again, Team USA. But I'm, Embiid Embiid ate him for lunch. I know. But he, That's the problem with Embiid. It's like, yeah. if you wave the, the fucking carrot in front of him and he's I like, know. oh, wait, what? And then I he know. puts up the 39-18. Adebayo and Team USA training camp. Pop was nice enough to let us watch a lot of actual raw practice. So I got to see Adebayo play a lot. It was the most I'd ever seen him play in any kind of setting like that other than occasionally on TV. I didn't watch a lot of Heat games. He was he exploded off the court with that's his lattice. And then he was their first cut. They kept Plumley. Greg Popovich, are we sure he's good? I don't know. I told him. I told him the second day. I, go, I don't know why. You, I don't know why you want this. Job. They could have built the whole team around his defense. Uh, they could have been like him and Tatum and Jalen. It they, might not they could have, have mattered. Been the it, it may not have mattered. Probably but, wouldn't matter. Wait, before we go, can we yeah. talk Lakers really quick? Yes. This has worked out. I would say a twenty out of twenty on <laughs> the scale of, of twenty, 20 out, out, of out of ten. Yeah. On probably how the Lakers were hoping this would work. Both guys have stayed healthy. You know, they traded all these picks and all these great young prospects and players because they knew Davis was this good. So it's not surprising. We knew Davis was this good. I wasn't prepared a hundred percent for how well they've played together. I knew they would play LeBron's a genius. Like, of course they're going to play well together, but man, it's, it's a really good partnership so far. I've been impressed and they seem really aligned 
on the court, off the court. There's no ego stuff. Um, it's dangerous. I'm concerned as a Laker hater. <laughs> Here's what I've uh, tried to rack my brain for. Has LeBron ever played with a guy who's as good of a shooter and as good of a defender as as uh, Danny Green? By the way, he played with Danny Green early in his career, but he wasn't that player. But if you think about it, like he's played with some great shooters and he's played with some great defenders. So you're saying just a prototypical 3 and D guy, has he ever had a better one? I mean, this is the... If you and this is why I think Kuzma is struggling, and people are talking about Kuzma's stats. The most important stat with Kuzma is his minutes played. Vogel's which is like twenty two minutes. Yes, because Vogel doesn't think he's a good fit. If you look at the history of LeBron, the last twelve years, two types of people play with LeBron as complementary pieces: shooters and defenders. Now Brandon Ingram, ironically, this year is shooting. If Brandon Ingram shot like this. Brandon Ingram's three-point shooting uh, explosion is unbelievable. It's like the only positive thing coming out of the Pelicans. But that's not any of those guys last year. Hart was not that. I mean, Hart a little bit. Ingram was not that. Kuzma was not that. Rondo was not that. Rondo shot a, has improved a little bit. Danny Green is like the ideal player. I can't think, unless I'm having a brain fart, I can't think. Because, you know, yes, he played with Ray Allen, but Ray Allen, when that at that point, didn't defend like Danny Green does now. The move is to trade Kuzma. Yeah. I don't know if they're there yet. The The one thing that I felt really strongly about was I didn't understand how Davis, LeBron, and Kuzma could all play together because they're all basically the same position. And I, it just didn't make sense I to me. I think the fact that Kuzma can't defend uh, or shoot at a high level. He's a stretch four. Right. But he's not a good enough shooter to be a stretch not, four. Right. But he also got hurt. Yeah, but, but he's hurt again now. But I think that's... If they if they want to win the title this year, I think that's the last piece for them is to use him and try to get. I really like Alex Caruso. I think I think he's been good. I don't know if he's somebody I would trust with four minutes left in a game yeah. seven. You've always said that. Um, I always go to that's my default. Considering the yeah. podcast, I don't want to s spill the podcast we just did, but um, but I remember who you, do I trust in a game seven? I remember you said that when you were covering the Spurs Heat series. You were like, when I pick players for my game, can I trust them to, for my team? Can I trust them to put them out on the floor in game six or seven? Um, and you saw, think about that in 13. Think think yeah. how many guys ended up playing in those two games. And it, that was like somebody like Bellinelli right. in 2014, who's had a really strange career and has bounced around. He's been on 10 teams, but for whatever reason, you could play him in that game. And some of the guys that Toronto had last year, same same thing. Like, I, I didn't know Fred Van Vliet could play in that game. That's a great X factor, but eventually he became somebody who could play in these yeah. games. I think Caruso could do that. I don't know for sure, though. His defensive numbers are crazy. He's I, fearless is the cool thing. Like, he really is fucking fearless. He doesn't care. Yeah, I, I my instincts tell me, and I have said this and the Laker fans have pushed back on me and said, well, we've got the top five defense. You don't know what you're talking about. I still think they need another guy to worry about Kawhi and uh, uh, Kawhi and Paul George. Cause I still think 40 minutes of the two of them on the wings to defend them. is it's, it's a lot on LeBron. I don't think he can do it. He'll and wear out. LeBron's like Brady. And we're starting to see it with Brady this year where we just started locking them in year after year because it had just become absurd already. And it's something like, well, I, until he stops doing it, we just have to assume he's going to keep doing it. And Brady, finally this year, there's been some some slips. Now, some of that has to do with supporting cast, but there's still been 
Kyle and I watched the Pats on Sunday. There's some moments where we kind of look at each other and go, oof. LeBron's not there yet. I'm a little worried he's expending a lot of energy early in the season. That's the part I don't get. He, he He's doing it, I think, mindfully because he had gotten into this routine where he sort of had a slow build. And the Lakers can't af- couldn't afford to do that. Also, he wanted to get AD going. But I wonder if in the back half he'll wear a little bit. I just think – now, the retort from the Laker fan is, well, who's guarding Anthony Davis? Okay, wise guy, you think uh, the Lakers need somebody to guard Ka- Kawhi Leonard? Who's guarding Anthony Davis? I agree. That's a good point. He's one of the toughest guys to guard in the last decade in the NBA. I agree. But the Clippers have a lot more depth. The Clippers have a lot more options. And Anthony Davis hasn't proven he's going to play good in every playoff game. Anthony Davis hasn't proven he can play eight straight months. That's To true. me, at least. Right. So that that would be my thing with that. But if they can get – they can just keep him on the court until June – I don't see any way it's not Clippers Lakers because what we did you see that Lakers Denver game? Denver has no chance against the Lakers. They would never beat them. I in was the actually at Bronny James game that night. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But I will say, the Lakers are better than I thought they would be, and I think the Lakers are better than they thought they would be. And Dwight Howard is better than I thought he would be. I'm not sold that one. Okay, but he's been better than you thought he would be so far. He is, but I'm just not counting on it. It's like if if uh, if. My dog Willie doesn't eat one of my shoes for three weeks. It doesn't mean he's <laughs> not going to eat one of my shoes. Like, I just don't trust Dwight Howard. I'm sorry. It's fair. I mean, I have to base it on the last seven years of behavior, right? I'm just. I can't count on Dwight Howard. It's a bonus if he does well, but they can't actually count on him. The Lakers Clippers games and the and the 76ers Celtics games are the games that I want to watch in the regular season. The, there's three left on each. Utah Denver. Um. Portland's basically out, but you just got to start going through the West. And the only teams I really like are the Clippers and the Lakers. I don't, Denver has been the biggest disappointment for me. And I know their record is what it is, but I just, I've watched them just come up short. The Celtics should have beaten them twice. The Lakers killed them. They lost to Philly. Like, I, I don't think they have an extra ceiling. As of today, when we're recording this, they're ranked with a 22nd offense. I'm that not surprised. Is unheard of for them. They they actually have a top five defense, which is what unheard of for them, and that's tied to Jokic. I think my third favorite team for a playoff series would be Dallas because I think they have a trade to make. They would be well. And I think they could trade for Iguodala. They have quietly denied they want to. But that doesn't mean it. No, they want to get a wing. They want to get a wing who can play defense. They have Courtney because here's the thing about they have the Courtney Lee contract. They had the thirty second pick. Yeah, here's the thing about. Here's the reality about Iguodala. Number one, they want to trade him, and they're going to stick with that until the the trade deadline. Why would you wit waver from that? Number two, a second round pick. The, the challenge for Iguodala is not the compensation to the to the Grizzlies. They may only have an offer of a second round pick. It's the amount of money you have to send them, and they're not taken back multiple years. Yeah, so it's got to be an expiry. So that's so like you look at the Lakers. Who are they trading? Nobody. They're not getting. I have another thing. Are we sure it even matters if you get Iguodala? Like, are we sure he's going to be well, healthy? He's hurt every year. Well, okay, maybe. What am I getting from him in I'm, the playoffs? I'll tell you what you're getting. You're getting 10 minutes on Paul George or 10 minutes on Kawhi Leonard. Okay. That's what you're getting. But I'm saying it makes more sense for me, for the Lakers, as a buyout guy, than for yes. that to be Dallas's big move because I don't know. Like, if I'm Dallas, I'm going well, That's for, what the Lakers are, are counting on. I think the guy to watch for me is Covington with with- his manageable salary, easy to trade for. Yeah. 29 years old. Um, he's been in a couple of big games. Why yeah. are you laughing? I was talking to him 
couple weeks ago, believe it or not, about being traded. He's going to get traded. And I just said, because he was talking about how much trauma it was to get traded last year. He, was, he said it was the worst year of his career. He got traded, then he got hurt. And I go, the problem is, Robert, with what your contract is and the demand that you have, you're going to, you're going to always be traded. You're, or you're going to be in the rumors. I talked to him. I, talked, I was like, I compared him to kind of like Jay Crowder. That's the guy. If the Lakers got him, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" Well, that's know. a much more feasible trade piece. Kuzma and some just a couple expirings. Well, or I wouldn't trade Kuzma for him. I'm not not for a rental. I would try to trade. You know, there's a guy I trade Kuzma for. Who Is I Covington would... a free agent? No, no, no. I don't think so. You wouldn't trade Kuzma and contracts for Covington. I trade Kuzma for Bogdan Bogdanovich, but that doesn't solve my interesting. Bogdanovich is one of the most interesting players in the league. Restricted free agent, but he's not a starter there. And they're gonna and they've already committed to Heald and to um uh Harrison I Barnes. I wouldn't trade him. I would have I would have not paid Harrison Barnes kept the money for Bogdanovich because wow. I like him. But it might just be because he kills the Celtics every game. Well, I like Bogdanovich. He's not as good of a defender. It doesn't solve the problem that I talked about with the Lakers, but boy, does it give them another shooting weapon. You put Bogdanovich alongside LeBron. Oh my God. I mean, that would be a weapon. You have Bogdanovich. You, you have the opportunity to swing between Bogdanovich. God damn it. Now you ruined my day. I'm going to, I'm going to be having a that's, good time that's someday. A, that's it's going to go across the ticker. Lakers get Bogdanovich. <laughs> that's the guy you trade a Kuzma piece of for. shit, second round pick money. And some dude I've never heard of. And I'm like, they allowed this. That's who you trade Kuzma for. And also you can then sign Bogdanovich you have his rights because the bird rights are going to be everything this summer because no one, no one, no, none, that of makes the a lot of sense. none of the contenders have space. So if you want a player trade from, you get his rights. If you're the Lakers and you're planning this, you say, let's get Bogdanovich. Then we're going to sign him. And now we have a, a player and, we, and it's a piece we could potentially move if we had to later. And then Covington goes somewhere. Marcus Morris. I'm, I'm after having watched him for a couple of years, I would, hesitate to be excited as a team who well, would require him. But again, he's just a ball stopper. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind having him again for 10 minutes to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Brian Windhorst, pleasure as always. We'll see you Celtics on comment right there. We'll see you on 27 ESPN shows. <laughs> right. I like, are you still doing the weekly column? It's been a little you bit. You fell spotty. off. Yes. I wish you tell my bosses that. It's bullshit. I, I know. What you're I was into about. it. You were establishing a column there. I was into it. It's part know, of my week. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, start writing again. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Hey, Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is like a premium espresso machine, but makes cocktails instead. Drinkworks Home Bar pods made with premium spirits, real ingredients, and natural flavors. Kyle just has one next to his bed. He just presses a button. It starts making him a vodka soda at 7:30 in the morning. Um, this is really cool though. And it, especially I would say like, you know, if you're in college, you like to make drinks for your friends. If you're in your twenties, you like to have people over. If you're an old person like me and your wife just likes to make cocktails for no reason, there are over two dozen different drinks to choose from something for everybody. Bar quality cocktails, freshly made at the price of a button. The only way to get this amazing drink maker at half price plus free shipping is to go to drinkworks.com. Use my code BS. At checkout, you get 200 hours off and free shipping. Don't wait.
It's an amazing offer. It won't last. It's only for my listeners. Drinkworks.com. Use my code BS at checkout. Remember, please enjoy responsibly. Drinkworks Home Bar currently available in California, New York, Florida, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. With more states available for pre-sale today at drinkworks.com. Okay, the mother of dragons is here, Mallory Rubin. We're going to do most intriguing. I am, Jacko's coming on after this and we're talking about Garrett Cole. Okay, so I have I'm an item on that. save my thoughts for that. Okay. But, um, you want to do two honorable mention sure. items? Yeah, let's let's relegate. Give us your Cole thoughts quickly. Okay, so Garrett Cole, you're out of the top five already. Yeah. You're relegated to honorable mention. He's fine. He made a lot of money. Fuck the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to ask you about how you're feeling about the Red Sox, given, you know, a thing that we share in common is that I'm a Baltimore sports fan and you're a Boston sports fans fan, which means that despite all of our tension about our respective sports teams and their rivalries, we can align in loathing the Yankees. That's a thing we share. And seeing the Yankees give out the biggest pitching contract in baseball history makes me feel sick and awful. And I am full of despair. How are you feeling? Also, just in general, with the way the baseball market is shaping up this offseason, the Strasburg deal, now the Cole deal, it sounds like Rendon is going to sign probably soon. Trade talk heating up. You're seeing a lot of rumors. Correa's name has been out there. Chris Bryant's name has been out there. Obviously, Mookie Betts' name has been out there. So you're in a world where the Red Sox aren't spending, talking about trading your favorite player, and the Yankees are basically preparing to win a title. How are you doing? My favorite player is Raphael Devers, just for the record. Mookie's one okay. B. Okay. Um, I I'm see fine. You're already adjusting. We've your mental calculus. We've made it through the decade without the Yankees even being in the World Series, so I'm not that concerned about them. The other mm-hmm. big American League contender is the cheating Astros. I and, I just want to be very clear about something. No. Yeah. And this really, this next comment is, as I think we all know, actually the top five. Every item in the top five. You don't get to talk about other teams being cheaters because you root for the Patriots who are currently embroiled in the most absurd redux of a cheating scandal in the history of organized competition. Fake news. Bill, the Bengals? Fake news. Sad. Three exclamation points. Sad. Good. That that definitely makes everyone feel better. Is you going full Trump while trying to process this? Big news, sad. That's helpful. On the uh, all right. On so the you're Gar- hand waving me on the Patriots. You no, won't engage with Cole me on thing, the Patriots. Though. That's fine. On the Garrett Cole thing. Yeah. Um, I was really upset. I was going to cry myself to sleep on my pillow, which I didn't have. So I used my four World Series DVDs from this year, <laughs> and I cried on those. Okay. Um, we've won four times as many World Series as the Yankees this year. We're fine. I think personally that it's bonkers to pay that much money to a pitcher when pitchers get hurt basically mm-hmm. all the time. And $36 you, million dollar annual value. It's just a lot. And he's 29. He's not 26. And I, I don't know. Um, here's the thing I'll say though. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's better, if you need pitching, if you really need it. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe the Yankees couldn't do this. They need the ace. They, their fans were starting to turn on them. I get it. But if I'm like the Angels and my choices are just throw $300 million at Garrett Cole or try to get pitching some other way at a, at a cheaper price. No. I would get a guy like David Price. <laughs> what? The last three years of his deal, bring him in, World Series hero. He's available. What are you talking about? He's available. I, I honestly don't even know how to process what you just I'm said. I'm just saying he's available. Look up his stats. Not this bad. Is, this is pretty devastating for the Angels. Less so it for is. the Dodgers, who will obviously be fine. 
But the whole narrative around Cole for so long was like a California kid. Obviously, he pitched at UCLA. You know, the Yankees had drafted him in the first round way back when. And as you can read all over the Internet and in newspapers everywhere, you know, he's been Cashman's prize and dream for so long. I think that if we can separate the Yankees aspect from it for a second and how bad it feels as non-Yankee fans to watch the Yankees do something like that, it's good for the game, actually, to see that kind of a contract be handed out because we're coming off a couple consecutive off-seasons where the spending was so stagnant. The prize free agents, and you know, think if you rewind beyond that to like how many years we spent anticipating the Harper Machado class and then how we're waiting till the end of February, the beginning of March for those guys to sign, despite what the ultimate numbers were, seeing big market teams be willing to spend is ultimately a good thing for the health of the game. Now, of course, that's not happening everywhere. You have a lot of other clubs, your team, Cubs, Cardinals, on and on the list goes, saying, ah, we can't, you know, we can't address our our roster needs right now. We couldn't possibly. And so baseball is still in a very odd position in terms of which teams are willing to spend and which aren't and how long that's going to last. But the Yankees were ultimately the most confounding team in that why aren't they spending category. And for them to come out of that is, is, is I think, good for, for the sport. Especially a sport that's been ripped apart by this Astros treating scandal and the sanctity of the game and what they've done to it. What, what's your role in the Do Your Job documentary going to be? I can't control what some freelance video cameraman, if he makes a mistake mm. on an assignment, mm-hmm. I can't control what that idiot's doing. No? no. Yeah. What about, do you think that someone should be able to control somebody banging on a trash can to give away signs? That's, that no? gets, all, that all gets of a, a lot piece, worse. All of a piece for you? Comparing the Astros to the Patriots is just patently absurd. What they did was a hundred times worse than anything the Patriots did. Do you think that comparing the Astros to the Patriots is patently absurd because the Astros actually did something incredibly complex and innovative while the Patriots <laughs> did the exact same thing that they'd already gotten busted for. Well, they said Kyle with, did like it with a Sony camcorder. Right, the right. fucking Bengals? <laughs> it's bad. Let's that- move on to the next one. <laughs> okay. So this will be our, another honorable mention and then we'll yeah. do a top three. Honorable mention. Bill, you know, I love college football. Yeah. It's Heisman weekend. Yeah. Joe Burrow, definitely going to win. Great name. It's a it's great, a great name, great player. Name. Great, great quarterback name. I mean, an incredible season. Obviously, LSU is in the playoff, has a real chance of winning the title. He's had a dream season. Really one of these like magic college football yeah. moments. I'm really eager to see if we get a Heisman record. If he can either break the benchmark for the number, just a volume vote of first place votes, OJ Simpson. Or juice if he can break the Troy Smith record, which is points percentage. So the biggest margin of victory, basically. And I think that this is where you get into, and we, we can keep this quick. We don't have to get into too many numbers, but this is where the relative size of the voting body this year compared to years past comes into play. It's 927 votes this year, far fewer than when OJ got his votes. So I don't think it's possible that the, the OJ benchmark is 858. I don't think it's possible with 927 total for Burrow to break that. Who else that. would get a vote, though? Well, so there are four finalists. Yeah, but come on. Burrow, Justin Fields, Chase Young, Jalen Hurts. I think all of them will get votes. I think the Ohio State guys will definitely split the vote. And if it had been one of them as finalists. Who's not voting for Joe Burrow? 
I mean, the thing that you have to remember about the Heisman vo- uh, the Heisman voting block is that it's it's basically this is a very reductive, simplified version of it, but it's basically regionally structured. And so you're always going to have some people who are saying, I'm voting for the Big Ten guy, for example, just as you will always have people saying, I'm voting for the SEC guy. So in that sense, you're never going to Sounds like a great have, process. You're never going to have a- Let's take this seriously. Unanimous outcome. But- That's dumb. Could he break Troy Smith's record? So when Troy Smith won, and that was the, the 06 Heisman, 924 voters at the time, and he beat the runner-up, McFadden- Remember, run DMC by 1,662 points. Very curious to Damn. see if Burrow can make Heisman history. I think there's a real shot. And then from there, Bill, I have a little, a little line here to sum up what comes next. On to Cincinnati for Joe Burrow and Bill Belichick. Is that locked the down yet? They're two, they're two wins behind everybody else now. I can't imagine them not having a top pick. And they'll hopefully lose this week. I cannot imagine it. Now, I guess in theory, they could traded if they got it but I, I don't I don't know why they would I mean he's first of all they need a quarterback they need a franchise quarterback yeah, he's no, an done. outstanding prospect it's and done. of course where did he play before he transferred to LSU where Ohio State he's an Ohio kid they're not going to pass up the chance to draft an Ohio kid to be their franchise quarterback there's no did way. you ever believe in Darren McFadden as a fantasy guy I drafted him I think five years in a row I've there, there's certain fantasy guys that seduce everybody but never ever ever really came through you I might have had one good year at least six times per week. Forget the NFL fantasy aspect. I just stop and in the middle of the day, I think, oh my God, Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis were all on the same Arkansas team. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Did I tell you about my fantasy league? Uh, I ended up winning by three points because Eli Manning never turned the ball over in a pouring rainstorm against the Eagles. I am- I, Eli did something good for me in my life, finally. I'm happy for you. I also want to say, I listened to your discussion with Sal, and I am confounded and befuddled by your stance on how your league is structured. You actually spent multiple minutes on a podcast that other people were going to hear complaining about the fact that you were in jeopardy. You hadn't even lost at that point, in jeopardy of losing because your competitor had picked up a player. And you don't think people should be able to pick up players in that league or they should be able to and the rules should be changed. But, no, my why question was- Why is the league structured that we way? We have conditional playoff ad drops. But why? Because it's an idiotic league. I don't know why we do it that way. Just let's have ad drops. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Or let's not have them. But what we can have is- But then- Somebody conditionally gets to pick up somebody and actually gain an advantage. But that was what your league had agreed to. And then you complained about it. I voted against it. it, though. It doesn't matter. It was ratified into your well, league constitution. Well, because dickheads in my league who don't know what they're doing. This is the nature of fantasy sports. You agree to something with your league mates. Well, I hated the rule and I got burned by it. I almost lost. But you didn't lose. So I, I had Mike Evans. Yeah. Did whatever he did to his hamstring. I lost him in six minutes, but somehow advanced. But now I don't have him anymore. And that's it. He's gone. But I because I did a good job with the rest of my team and I have backup receivers, I don't is... get to just cherry pick other dudes now. Because well, I, have, I have a bench. I should be able to replace Mike Evans with somebody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. it's My league's so dumb. Absolutely absurd. So I have Lamar. Mm-hmm, I'm aware. Yeah. That had the red flag on him that I went and looked at my lineup on Tuesday and Lamar had the red flag. Yeah. And I reacted the same Quad. way that I did like when my kids were young and one of them fell off the jungle gym where you're just like in slow motion running toward them. Yeah. I, I saw the red flag on Lamar. I had a heart attack. When I got the push notification that he was limited at practice because of his quad, I 
actually gasped out loud, screenshotted the push notification because I was in a meeting, sent multiple text messages immediately, including panicked ones to my husband and my father. And And your husband's not even a Ravens fan. No, but he loves Lamar, loves watching Lamar and supports me in all of my endeavors and is currently very happy in terms of football because he's a Broncos fan and he was is a Missouri grad. So the Drew Locke thing is just an absolute delight for him. An absolute delight. He's a solid C minus. Drew Locke? Yeah, he's solid. He's got a great arm. It's for him in college. It was always the decision making. And then as, as Michael Bauman would be happy to tell anyone who will listen, comparing the stats in his SEC games to how he did against elite competition versus soft teams. But I don't know. He's got a great arm. I, I think, it, it, frankly, if he's good enough to prevent the Broncos from drafting Justin Herbert, it's a good thing for Broncos fans, even if he's not the long-term solution. That's my take. Lamar's fine. Seems fine. I would be I'm, I would be okay with... I mean, he's going to play on Thursday against the Jets, but I would be okay with him sitting it out and resting up. Like, he needs to be healthy for the playoffs. That's the most important thing. Well, no, I need him to be healthy for week 15. I'm a little bit more concerned about my real team's prospect for a real championship than your fake team's chance of losing in a way that upsets you in a league with rules that don't make well, sense. Well, I'm not winning the Super Bowl this year, so all I have now is this fantasy championship because I'm used to titles at the end of the year. I have to pick between Darius Slayton and Cortland Sutton, and whatever I do, the other guy's going to have an awesome game. Who would you do, Kyle? For sure. He's your Slayton guy. against Miami. But you love Sutton. You'll The thing is, Think about which you'll regret more. You believe in Sutton. You have all year. You ha- you believed in him coming into the season. He was I one traded of quiet hype guys. And if you don't play him in the playoffs and you lose because he has a bad game on your bench, you're going to be pissed. Slayton looked really good on Monday night. I don't know. The problem is he's got Eli's corpse throwing it to him. So who knows? Eli's like Joe Testor. What a game by Eli. He had 29 yards total in the second half. The entire offense. Bill. Can I share? Third and 13 for the Giants. <laughs> Swing pass out to Barkley. Nothing there. <laughs> Why does he do that? What's wrong with it's, him? It's, the, it's the, the college carryover effect, yeah. I think. Guess what? You're doing Monday Night Football. It's true. We're not in college anymore, it's Joe true. Testator. It's true. I lost. Third I... and 13 to Zach Ertz. It's going to get eight. I'm glad you mentioned Zach Ertz because if he had somehow had a couple, like two more catches in overtime, I would have won. But I lost my fantasy playoff matchup. And... Really, ultimately, when I look at the the scoring, came down to the fact that Odell got me four points. Four points. Oof. I'm going to regret that. But forever. that's where fantasy becomes a microcosm. Like the one week becomes a microcosm of what you did right or wrong for the whole season, right? Sure. So you believed in Odell. You went all in on him. I went double receiver at the top of my draft. Right. I took Julio and, and Odell. Odell sucked all year and you didn't deserve to win your league because he sucked. It wasn't your fault. It was Odell's fault. And then it turns out he has a sports hernia, yes. which nobody even knew about for 12 weeks. Seems like an excuse to me. Wow. Now he's floating out Patriots rumors. We don't want your, we don't want your. If you ask Baker, plenty of people flimsy know stuff, about it. Odell, unless you come here and then I'll change my mind. Should we transition now into number yeah. three? The number three. Hot seat watch because obviously one of the coaches on the hot seat watch is your Bill boy Belichick? Freddie. Your boy wow. Freddie Soups. Stop it! Don't do this. Come on, don't do this. We're in the final three weeks of the season. He deserves to be fired. Freddie Soups. Which guy? Which one are we talking about? You're talking about Bill Belichick. You think Bill Bill Belichick no, deserves I was, I, to be fired? I thought you were talking about Freddie Soups. Yeah, we we are. Who's no, on your? He, they should have fired him at the end of the game last week when Nick Chubb was running for ten yards a carry and got the ball twelve times. 
Just right. run the ball against the Bengals. What are you doing? It does seem why like are you, why are you using Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as decoys? The combination of the actual on-field coaching and the level of weekly and really daily drama surrounding the team makes it very likely that there will be a change. You know, we've only we've had two firings so far, right? Gruden, Jay Gruden, obviously, and the fairly shocking Rivera firing a couple weeks ago. God, people love that guy. <sighs> Rivera? Yeah, do you read the articles after sure. that? Sure. I mean the the Panther Luke Luke Kakely had one of the longest mo- nicest monologues I've ever read anybody saying about anything about which is what a great person he was. I was like, um oh, by the end of it, I was like, ah, oh, man. He'll he'll land some more good. It's I think ultimately the timing obviously He's never, never want to anybody to to lose their job, but he he got fired so early that now he's just on everybody's list as they're scouting. You, you mentioned the Cowboys. Yeah. This is the one I'm most interested in because there, there are a lot to consider. You know, Cowboys, Browns, Falcons, Giants, Jags, Lions, you know, a couple other. You, you'll hear people toss out Adam Gase or Zach Taylor. Those seem very unlikely, I think. But I know where you're going with this. Is there a chance that Jerry Jones finally pulls the trigger on Jason Garrett? Because yes, it does feel like something fundamental in the nature of their relationship and their basically blood oath to each other has changed in the last two weeks. And with the Eagles winning that Monday night football game that you just recounted for us in your beautiful test impression, the Eagles probably are going to win the division. Now the Cowboys blew it. Now it's, that's not a lock. The Cowboys could still win it because it's only going to take seven wins. But if they don't win it, if they blow it, he's got to be gone. He's got to be. And his his players. I assume he's gone, win or lose, because they're not making out of round one anyway. Freddie Soups goes. The move for them actually, unless unless they can get Lincoln Riley, who you swear by. Um, yes. The move would be Ron Rivera, because at Cowboys? least he would cha- no for the Browns, because at least he could change the culture, and you have like a good guy who's been in been in uh, big games and stuff, and probably wore out his welcome in Carolina, new owner, all that stuff, but. From a culture standpoint, he could change the culture there. I, I think. think the now in in absolutely no way am I saying that Baker Mayfield is Aaron Rodgers. Literally in no way am I saying that. However, if you go back to the Packers coaching search before they landed on the floor, so much of the dialogue around that was who can work with Aaron Rodgers? Who does Aaron Rodgers want to work with? Who does he want coaching this team? Now. Baker is not going to have the decision-making power about who the Browns hire. But if you look at how this season has played out, if you look at how things revealed themselves in the wake of Hugh's departure regarding his relationship with Baker, if if the Browns franchise in the front office thinks that Baker is the quarterback of the future and they are committed to building around him for the next handful of years, they have to get a coach who he wants to work with. It's a mistake. This is actually a fun thing to talk about right now this week because, of course, the Browns are playing the Cardinals and... Baker and Cliff Kingsbury famously don't get along. Now, they've come out this week and said all the right things about how they're they're fine, they're chummy now. But in the Texas Tech days, they did not get along. So Baker has trouble getting along with his coaches. Here's the thing. Come, mark this down. Send this to our (laughs) social team right here. This is gold coming up right now. Some people have the dog that doesn't like other dogs and gets into fights with other dogs. And you're on the walk and all of a sudden that dog gets all aggro with some dog that's walking by gets in the huge fight. And the person holding the dog's like, oh, so sorry. He never does that. Right. 
But you kind of know the dog always does that and is always trying to mix it up and is always in trouble. And it's like, at some point, you have to start blaming the people who have the dog and go like, you know, like if they're on the beach, you don't let that dog run around without a leash because that dog's going to go up to another dog and it's going to be complete chaos. Baker is like the dog. Baker just seems to get in fights and altercations and and get into trouble over and over again with whoever. He can't help it. He's on the walk. He can't just take the walk around the block, pee twice, take a dump and go back to the house. Like he's got to mix it up with some golden retriever. That's just who he is. So if you're telling me, hand the team over to him and let's hire a coach that would be great for Baker, I'd like to see him act like an adult for like a year before I made that commitment. My point is not that that is the right decision. It's that the the franchise needs to decide one way or the other. I just decided for them. He's not he's not worthy or ready for that yet. I thought you would enjoy more that I brought dogs into this. Well, I love animals. I know. I don't like comparing people to animals, but I love I love an animal. Why not? As you know. What's more fun than comparing people to animals? If we're going to stick with your analogy, the issue is not when a dog fights with another dog. As I understand it, I'm a cat owner. The issue in this case would be more of the dog biting the hand that feeds it. The dog not getting along with people in its own household. That's the problem. So the, so more like my dog, Willie, who just keeps going after my shoes. And then my wife blames me. It's like, well, you left your shoes down there. What do you think was going to happen? Right. And then my answer is what I expected to happen was my dog not eating my shoes. I feel like that is your fault. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I was asking for it. Sorry, I forgot to put my shoes away. So it's a whatever. There's some sort of dog analogy. What's who's the third coach that's in trouble? Well, I think that Dan Quinn has probably moved out of the trouble zone for the Falcons, but that's still one to monitor. Who do they they, who they play this week? With the Giants? Who do the 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 Falcons? Falcons, They're like 13 point underdogs against somebody. Play the Niners this week. They're at San Francisco. So here's the thing. So that's a loss. If that's a 42 to 7, that could get the ball rolling. The thing is, the Niners lost their center. They lost mm-hmm. Boza. I don't know if he's back this week or what happened with that, but I hate when teams lose their center. Ravens lost their center. Well, you have fucking Lamar. You have the, like, the cheat code. Against yeah, Buffalo. Even Buffalo- Lamar needs an offensive line, man. Ronnie Stanley been one of the Pats lost their center and and the Chiefs just bull, bull rushed up right up the middle of the whole thing. Uh, I think Shermer's gone because Shermer's gone. He's incompetent. <laughs> did you watch that Giants game? I did. It's like he had no idea what to do at the end of the game with his timeouts or anything. He actually could have used his timeouts and gotten the ball back. And he just doesn't know what he's doing. That's he's always a, always a fascinating job to track. I would lo- here's what I would love if. After the Jets, because you, you mentioned Lincoln Riley, so the, I think there are a few, you know, college coaches who are who are hot candidates this year, but Matt Rule, the Baylor coach, will certainly be one of them. And after the Jets failed to lock down Matt Rule last year, basically because they wouldn't give him the tr- the, the the flexibility to choose his own staff. Yeah. The Giants hiring Matt Rule, and then Jets fans constantly just having to look across the aisle there and see the coach that they didn't get while they're furious about Adam Gase. No, we've run out of ways for Jets fans to hate themselves. So it doesn't, that's, that's definitely not, not true. Oh, no, 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 no. There are always new depths of misery to explore. Always. 
You can always mind the your Jets own despair like, in some fresh fashion. Always. Only five people are going to get this joke, but the Jets are like Cara Maria on the challenge if she never actually won any challenges. Thank you. Who's Abram in that situation? <laughs> I, I have know. to think about this for a minute. Who's who's Abram <laughs> then? <laughs> Shermer needs to go. Also, like the 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 Eagles running the three tight end offense with screen passes and the Giants just not being able to figure it out for an entire half was well, amazing. I mean, there were so no- like, guess what? They're probably going to throw to Zach Ertz. He's yeah. the only person who can catch a ball on the entire team. They couldn't field any receivers. There's nobody healthy. It was unbelievable. That was very strange. Um, we're going to take a break, then we'll get to the bottom two. Hey, everyone loves a gift they can feel good in and good about. Allbirds, stylish, comfortable, sustainable. You can't go wrong. Streamline design, versatile. You know you look good anytime you lace them up. Wide range of colors, inspired by nature. A variety of silhouettes to keep you looking your best in whatever situation you find yourself in this holiday season. Ladies, the tree breezers are your new go-to flats. They will have you feeling like the bell of the ball at any holiday party. The wool runners. Made from ZQ certified merino wool, will help you stay warm. While the Mizzle collection, complete with puddle guard, will help you stay prepared through winter's unpredictable weather. Kyle, should they let us name one of these? Maybe I just I love the tree runner so much that I I'm, I'm okay. I don't have to name anything. I think if if I had all birds, if I had ones named after me, what about Sim Cities with two M's? Whoa, that's crazy. They're like for the city. They're they're outdoors shoes. Like they should be for. You know, the wilderness, Sim but I'm wearing them in a city. Sim cities. Yeah. Work on that, Allbirds. The perfect gift to make the holidays a little less uncomfortable for everyone on your list. Give the comfort this holiday season or get a pair for yourself at allbirds.com. Also, let's talk about Square. They make that little white credit card reader that helps businesses take payments or somebody like Kyle's, Kyle's barber, hairstylist, Fernando, who was a big part of Parent Corner last week when I told a whole story about my... Dumbass son cut his uh, cut the back of his hair and cut it too short. We had to fix it. Fernando stepped in, and then we paid him on Square. Here's what people a lot of people don't know: they make so much more than just the white card reader. For instance, if you're opening a retail shop, you're going to want a decent looking register. Probably want to sell your stuff online. You need to stay on top of your inventory. Maybe you even want to sell custom gift cards to your store. Well, guess what? Square can help with all of that. Not just retail; they can help you no matter what your business is. So see all the ways Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. Once again, square.com slash go slash BS. All right. Two left. Number two, we're heading into Texans, Titans, Bonanza zone here. We've got two of the next three weeks. Division rivals, obviously competing for the AFC South title. They're both eight and five right now. Yep. They're playing this one. Houston's at Tennessee Sunday, early slate this week. And then they play again in week 17. Here's a key. Who do they each play between their two matchups? The Texans have the Bucks. You're, you're Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A little, le- little less frisky without Mike Evans. A little bit less frisky. Exactly. And the Titans have the Saints. Yeah. We're playing for seeding. That means, I think that the Titans have to win both of these games to take the division. So I'm not worried about this week. And that leads us to million dollar picks, mm. which I'm going to do really quickly. Million dollar picks, four straight winning week last week, only 58K, but it's still a winning week, up 1.617 million for the year. And I only have two picks this week and we could rip through them very quickly. The first one, 
the Titans of Tennessee. Yes. Who I've been riding like Willie Shoemaker. <laughs> um, they're only minus three against Houston. We're doing this on uh, Wednesday night. And they're plus 105 with the minus three. Mm-hmm. So if I bet $100, I win 105 Okay. I just think they're better. I agree. I've watched them very carefully. We've been riding them on million-dollar picks. And people are still sleeping on them. And I think it's happening for a couple of reasons. One, they haven't had any national games. So people, unless you have like yeah. season ticket, they're not actually watching. Two, Tannehill's involved. He's 30 years old. People feel like, ah, it's Tannehill. They're not going to, what's going to happen there? Three people still don't seem to really understand how good Derrick Henry is. Derrick Henry might win the rushing title this year. Derrick Henry's been, if you're just looking like bat, last 17, 18 count, calendar games dating back to last season, he's the best running back in the league. He's the best production of anybody. Their receivers, they finally unlocked Humphreys a little bit. And then A.J. Brown, yeah. yet yet another rookie that the Patriots yeah. didn't get. And he's just getting better. And you can see it. And I think Tannehill's really good. I think, as I say every week, their sidelines locked in. Last week was one of those games where it looked like it was going to get fucked up. They come, they rally back. They end up winning by three touchdowns. And uh, and I just really like them. And I don't like that Houston team that much. I yeah. felt like when the Pats got semi-killed by them, the most frustrating thing was it was like, Houston's not even good. Like, this is embarrassing. Right. And then they proved last week that they're really not that good. They have no running game. They have one receiver. Will, Fuller, Will, Will Fuller gets hurt every two weeks. He's questionable again for this week. Fuller gets hurt a lot. When he's healthy, he and Deshaun Watson have pretty outstanding chemistry. Yeah, and he, also that one when receiver is, is DeAndre Hopkins, who is extraordinary. Yeah, but you can take out one receiver. Tennessee's got a good defense. I, I mean, I'm with you on Titans. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I think they're, they they actually scare me. Like when thinking about teams that the Ravens could potentially match Agreed. up with in the playoffs. They scare, they scare me for the Pats. They've won six of seven since Tannehill took over. Everything's looking. I've lo- I mean, I've loved Derrick but Henry also the, since the, the Alabama days. The first five weeks are explainable because their quarterback. Mariota. Yeah. Mariota sucked. And then they put in this other guy, and he was good. And it completely changed their team because they had everything else. Yeah, I mean, for So really- I see this line, and I'm just like, I honestly think this line should be like Titans by six. So by I'm getting, six? I do. I think, there's, I think they should get an extra field goal. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So I'm, I feel like I'm getting at three free points. Okay. Tennessee home. Crowd's going to be going bonkers. Yeah. Now, one interesting thing about home field advantage this year. Home teams against the spread this year. Mm-hmm. 87-116-5. and five. They are 29 games under 500 against the spread. Oh, my God. So how, how does that compare the, to a typical year? It's bonkers. That's, yeah. Okay. It has no correlation to anything. Underdogs are 112-91-5. So here's a situation where all the evidence that's happened this season would be like, you should just take take the underdog in every game. Right. Especially like when it's a do or die, when who knows between either team. But I actually think that has to swing these last two weeks with mm-hmm. the home field advantage. So I like the fact that the Titans are home. The Titans are playing for so much. They're, they're, I would have a, a really hard time imagining that the Titans would come out flat, in part because they're so energized, but also they're, that's such a well-coached team. It's yep. such a well-coached team right now. Whereas I think I do think the Texans are are really talented, but one thing we know is that they're capable of coming out flat and laying an egg. We've seen that repeatedly. I don't this like season. when teams are behind in multiple games by a lot. Right. And it's happened with them. I think the Titans also, again, they know they've got the Saints next. They know they need this game. Of course, we should say. 
both of these teams still have a very clear path to the playoffs because they just need the Steelers to fall out of the second wild card. Exactly. Which, you know, the Steelers have... Well, we're, can we, we're going to them right now. Buffalo and then the Jets and the Ravens. That's hard. So that my second pick is Bills plus two in Pittsburgh. Okay. Here's the case. Yeah. Um, And I'm down with Pittsburgh. I've won money on them a couple of times here. Mm -hmm. It's And Hodges is not your typical like third string quarterback. Like he's okay. He can, like he made a a back to the shoulder. What are they, what do they call the, on the touchdown on, on, they were on the two. Uh Uh-huh. He threw the. the, Fade? No, but it was more like he threw the the shoulder. Sure, it's a yeah. hard. It, it's a pass that goes wrong a lot. Like Jameis would have just thrown it to the other team, of course. And he put it in a place where I was like, "Wow, that's actually like a real throw." Sure. Precision. Um, he has I, pretty remarkable chemistry with James with James Washington. I don't totally see it with them. I thought Arizona could have beaten them um, last week. I think you can run on them. Mm-hmm. I think they're running backs, especially it doesn't look James Conner. looks like he's who knows with him this week. The other guys they had that Benny Snell, Snell all, yeah. the, all those dudes are just like average below average. And I think that people are getting just confident that they're good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they're good. I think they can steal games. Mm-hmm. They're not stealing this game. Buffalo's defense is excellent. As you saw Tremendous. against your team. Tremendous. The times the pass that, rush. Whew. The times that you beat them was really because the couple plays where Lamar is just fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But they were in the right spots. I think Josh does some stuff. Singletary's come on. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're better. And I don't think it really matters where this game is. So I am putting 500K on the Titans minus three, plus 105. And then I am putting 550 to win 500 on the Bills plus two. In Pittsburgh, which FYI got flexed to a Sunday night. That's right. Here's what I really liked about Buffalo. When they kicked the shit out of Dallas on Thanksgiving, which they did. Yeah. I like that they kind of went at Zeke after. When they did the Shaq, I think it was Shaq Lawson and the other guy doing right. the Phoebe thing. celebration. That yeah. tells me they have real kind of gumption, like that they know they're good. And I thought in Baltimore, they went toe-to-toe with you. And if Allen had played better... I think that actually would have been a been a potential upset. It was. I mean, you you were nervous. I, I was, but I'm always nervous. I mean, I'm, I'm nervous when the Ravens are up by five touchdowns. You know, you 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 said this on Sunday night with Sal. It was one of those it was one of those games where it it did feel very evenly matched. It was competitive. I, always, to it be came fair, down to I always five, felt like you were exactly. Gonna win. You you didn't ever really feel like the Ravens were not in control of the game. Because it was more of a reflection of the Buffalo offense, though. I didn't feel like they had enough to actually win the game in Baltimore against Pittsburgh. That's right. I think they can win the game. Yeah. The defense is is showing against the Ravens' offense, and the run game in particular was extraordinarily impressive. Really impressive. And the pass rush. It was one of the things I wanted to talk with you about last week, actually. We didn't end up having time for it, but their pass rush the last four weeks is among the most impressive things happening across football. And, you know, the Ravens offensive line is really good. Like, yeah. Ronnie Stanley is having an all-pro season. Yonda, obviously, and again, the you know, losing a, losing the starting center for the rest of the season is a, a problem. But they were able to generate pressure. And not only that, but they were able to contain, which other teams have not been able to do with anything resembling 
regularity. So I, I think that's an extraordinary defense. And they also seemed as fast as Lamar. Well, I mean, Lamar's faster, but they were able so to match his speed in ways I think, that I, I will say, not to make any excuses, I don't think Lamar was fully healthy in that game. You know, I think that the fact that this quad thing has come out since, I think that he was feeling a little... This is just me playing armchair doctor, but I think he was feeling a little off in that game because I don't think it's that they're as fast as him. I think it's that he wasn't as you fast as himself. You sound like me himself. making excuses when my daughter sucks in soccer. <laughs> um, just the last Steelers wins for you. Yeah. Going backwards to earlier in the year. Chargers by seven, Dolphins by 13, they came back. Mm -hmm. Colts by two, really banged up Colts yeah. team that game. Rams 17-12. That was more like, I felt like the Rams lost that. Uh, lost to the Browns by 14. Mm -hmm. Beat the Bengals by six. Beat Freddie Soup Kitchens by seven. <laughs> beat the Cards last week by six. Mm -hmm. We have no evidence that they're a good team. And we have no evidence that against a really good defense, Duck Hodges will be able to do anything. Yeah. And now you're talking Sunday night. Mm -hmm. There's also that thing when the quarterbacks, the, the out of nowhere quarterback has been around for four or five weeks and the league has seen enough tape to where catch they're up like, and adjust. oh yeah, we'll do right. this, we'll do this. And I think Buffalo's Yeah, it's like a, a slightly watered down version of the Minshew Mania thing. Yeah. You know, where it's like, how long can this possibly last? So we're going I, I'm, half I'm a million. So we're going half a million Bills my, uh, plus two in okay. Pittsburgh and then Tennessee minus three at home against Houston. Love and it. the thing is, I think Tennessee, as you said, they need the game, not just because of the New Orleans thing, but, but this is their home game. They know they have to go to Houston in week 17. That's right. So if you like lose this one, now you got to win it. Like, week 17. take care of business. You're better. Division it, on the line in week 17. Get take this care. out of the way now. I would have the line Tennessee by six, but what do I know? All right. Last thing. You want to talk about marriage story? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. It it wasn't as emotionally scarring to watch with our partners as maybe we were concerned about. <laughs> I thought it was an absolutely stunning, beautiful movie. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was it was really remarkable. How many? Who cried more, you or Scarlett, during the movie? I cried more than once. More than once. <laughs> more than once, Bill. You so, didn't cry? No, I don't cry during movies usually. Um, I talked about it with Chuck a little on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I watched the movie from the perspective of the kid. Yes. Well, that Who was one did of the, you watch the movie from the perspective of? That was one of the things I loved about it is that, you know, I think about this a lot with storytelling. When I first read Harry Potter, for example, I was a, I was a teenager, right? And now I'm an old washed person in my early 30s. And my perspective when I re return to those stories is completely different. And I love it just as much, but in a different way. And with Marriage Story, I was able to occupy multiple perspectives at once. I was able to watch it as a married person who thinks that marriage is sometimes really hard. And also as somebody whose parents got divorced when I was really, really young. Really young. And being able to think in each moment about who you should be feeling sorry for, who you should be angry with, whether either of those responses are fair or reasonable, and then always to be pulled back in by the look on Henry's face in the backseat of the car was just really moving. And I also just thought that I thought all of the acting was incredible, but I thought Adam Driver was like tremendous. I love him. 
Thought it was great. When are you doing <laughs> hottest take? Adam Driver made girls. This is your thing. No, I want somebody else to do it. I mean, he was. I, I, I have no you problem saying Driver. that he was my favorite part of girls. No problem at all. Followed, you know, closely by Kit Harrington look alike Charlie. <laughs> I forgot about Charlie. <laughs> so it's funny, like, uh, I read all the reviews and stuff afterwards mm -hmm. and people have just gone toward Adam driver as like, I think he's probably going to win the Oscar, yeah. right? Scarlett's part. I felt like she 85, 90% got there. There's this one small piece that was missing where I didn't know how complicit she was the whole time in all of this. And we, I talked about it a little bit with Chuck where, you know, where, where I get sensitive as a COD. Mm-hmm. Is when the parents use the kid right. against one another in some way. And I thought just as a mom, the stuff she was doing to try to sabotage Adam Driver's relationship with the kid, whether she was doing it intentionally, unintentionally, semi-intentionally, whatever, it made me not root for her. And I don't but I don't know if the movie wanted me to root for her or secretly wanted me to not root for her. But don't you think that both of those characters were ultimately at at different points in the movie put in that kind of position where maybe at one moment you were feeling real empathy or sympathy for them. And then the next moment you're saying, well, you're leveraging something about either your the 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 how your professional circumstances should take precedence over what your kid really wants. You know, for example, the Charlie character, Adam Driver's character refusing to accept that his kid liked LA, you know? So that would be, that would be a counterpoint, I think. Or not a counterpoint, but an example that that was happening on both sides. I think that the film was actually in, in, in that way quite well balanced. And it gets to another thing actually that I really, really admired about the movie, which is ultimately it's about love and loss and connection, regret, certainly, ambition and how you balance the priorities in your life all of which I think are deeply relatable human things. But it was also about systems. You know, it was also about the, the constructs and the establishment all around you and how the people who act like or actually think that they are trying to help you are in some way weaponizing your pain. And that was explored with like a level of care and conviction that I think is is really, really rare in the kind of way that you, you watch and you say, I know that the person making this went through this. Right. So like the Laura Dern character, Ray Liotta, all of the lawyers, Alda, that was like this really weird thing where you first start to get to that point in the movie, it's almost disorienting because it's such a tonal shift from the really intimate personal portrayal. But at the end of it, I just was really in awe of the balance of those different facets because that is, of course, if you're going through a divorce or if you are the, a child and your parents are going through the divorce, something that I think maybe people who haven't been through that can't always appreciate or understand. Like, your entire life is upended by people who are not a part of it. Yeah. I don't know that much about like the modern divorce institution. So mm -hmm. going into that world and just the costs and the prices, I don't know how real, I mean, it definitely is on the high end, but I don't know. it's weird to me that so many people get divorced, but there's really no divorce movies at all. Right. 
think like I could probably name all the divorce movies off the top of my head right now. It's less than 20. Well, of course, Kramer versus Kramer is the all timer. I still feel like that's the the goat though, right? I think Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer is almost untouchable. But I did. I do think that this is is up there. You know, I also really, really love Squid and the Whale, which is also a Noah Baumbach movie. That's very different in tone. You know, I thought that uh, Sean Fantasy, our cherished colleague, wrote this in his uh, in his write up on the movie for our year in review package, which everyone should check out. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but in essence, it was it's not called Divorce Story. You know, there is something at the end of it that is really hopeful and in a way it probably depends on your mindset or your your emotional state at any uh, the the moment when you're you're consuming the story maybe that hope is actually more upsetting to you because there's something really devastating about that moment where you realize that they are still in love with each other and always will be and still can't find a way to be together like that to me is way more upsetting than falling out of love with somebody you know still having those feelings for somebody and not being able to find your way forward together that that's that's gutting and when he's sitting on the bed reading that letter it's just like oh my god yeah it's basically like these two people can't be together through a bunch of circumstances that happen that now prevent prevent them from being able to have a normal relationship. They have this kid. They've kind of figured out some way to share the kid. There's so much pain that's happened from all the fucking legal mechanics and uh-huh. everything else that there's just no going back. And some really hurtful shit has happened. Yes. yes. And yet through all of this, there's still like a weird connection. I haven't seen a lot of movies that have able right. to pull off that balance where I actually believe that she still cared about him yes. in some weird way at the end, because I honestly think that's what divorce is like. I said to Chuck the other day, like I, when my mom and my dad are together now, it's always so fascinating because I do feel like they still have a connection. Sure. Right. And you see it and you're like, oh, this is cool. I can kind of see why they were together at one point in life. Right. You know, whereas other people, they get divorced and it's like, they're dead to each other. Right. Which is a less interesting movie. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's exactly right. It's it's rare to see that aspect of it explored, but ultimately that's what made it feel really true to life. You know, plenty of people love each other. That's, it's just not always enough. And when you are in a relationship like that with someone or you witness that with other people, you know, I think my, my, my two favorite scenes in the movie were the scene when he's reading the letter yeah. And then the the fight, right? The fight in his house. And there were other scenes that I loved. You know, I loved the when he cuts the cuts his arm. And I mean, yeah. about, many things in the movie were, were wonderful. But the thing about the fight, you know, I, I understand that in some ways that's like clearly the most provocative scene in the movie. And it's it's there to make you feel that way. And maybe I'm just like an easy mark. Yeah. Happy to admit that. But that really spoke to me, like, and not just in a marriage. I, I, I think about often when I am trying to uh, look inward and reflect and attempt to be a little bit better that I'm, I'm the most cruel to the people I care about the most and like why we as people do that. Right. And why we are capable of doing that. The things that he says to her you know, I, I hope I, if I knew that Henry would be okay, I, I would want you to 
die. Every every morning I wake up, I wish you were dead. It's just like you're watching that and you're there's this utter astonishment that you're seeing that play out. Because I do think that everybody has a moment like that in their life or maybe many moments where you're like, I actually can't believe that I I just said that out loud. Maybe you're capable of groveling like he did and and kind of giving in to your remorse and owning your shame. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're just too stubborn or too unwilling to in any way feel a little bit lesser than the person that you're trying to wound. But I just, again, I just thought that felt like very recognizable to me in a way that is like painful, but kind of, kind of amazing. I'm really excited for the Kramer versus Kramer rewatchables. I can't wait. Can we eat chocolate chip ice cream as we're doing it in January as we're recording? We're doing it for Oscars. (sighs) going to be the Oscars rewatchable oh end God. of January. Amazing. I can't wait. Mallory Rubin, thanks for everything you do. I'm glad you've never said anything cruel to me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for always taking me trick-or-treating on Halloween. <laughs> Let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of The Ringer. I want to tell you about a feature that they have that really sets FanDuel apart from other sports betting sites. Same game parlays. Same game parlay, combining multiple bets from a single game. For instance, you can do the over, the spread, a player pop, whatever you want. I was looking, as you know, I've been riding the Tennessee Titans every week. So for Tennessee this week, hosting the Houston Texans, you could do this one if you wanted to. I'm not, I'm not saying definitely do it, but here's one you could do. You could bet Tennessee will win by between one and 13 points. And you could bet the over of 50. And you would get plus 402 for that. Four to one odds. Wow. So if the game te- final score was Tennessee 30, Houston 20, you win both. But that's the kind of stuff you can do over there at FanDuel. Same game parlays are now available everywhere FanDuel Sportsbook is. Start doing them today in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, and West Virginia. And if you're new, place your first same game parlay. 100% risk-free. Get up to $500 back in site credit if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app on iOS or visit fanduel.com slash Android and be sure to use promo code BS to place your first bet risk-free. FanDuel Sportsbook promo code BS must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Applies to first wager only. Site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days after receipt. Terms and restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, 1800gambler.net or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. I didn't know if we were going to make it out of the decade without one good thing happening to the Yankees, but it finally happened. They signed Garrett Cole. Congratulations, Jacko. He's on the line right now. Uh, We're taping this on a Wednesday. You've been calling for this. You've been complaining about how your team is just a B-plus every year. You wanted the A-plus. You wanted the a You even would have settled for the A minus. And then they splurge for the biggest pitcher contract of all time. How are you feeling? I feel good. I feel great. I'm sure I'm going to regret it five years, the last five years from now. Years five through nine are probably not going to be loving it, but years one through five, and certainly on the morning of, I'm I'm extremely happy. Christmas came early. Uh, It was good. It's a good thing. They finally remembered that they were the Yankees and they have the most money and the most swagger in the game. And they decided to act like it. And I'm, I'm happy. It's a, it's a proud, happy day. They have the ace that they've lacked for oh so long and uh, all is well in Yankee land today. Did you 
have flashbacks to when they did this, basically the same contract and everything for CC once upon a time. It does. It it is reminiscent of that. He's a, he's a, CC was also a California guy that they sort of had to convince to come play in the cold uh, Northeast, and um, you know that worked out with the, with the World Series. And uh, let's hope this works out the same way. But it is it is reminiscent of that. They had to overpay for CC a little bit because he was a you know West Coast guy with a West Coast bias, and uh, the same may be true for Cole, but. When you're the Yankees, you can do that, and if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. So go out and get the uh, go out and get the big dog to to lead the uh, lead the rotation. Absolutely. You sound like you've been sedated. I don't know what's going on with you. This is way too calm. You're way too calm about this. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I am super excited about this. I I really like Garrett Cole. I think he's the ace that they need. I think that I'm looking forward to hopefully, God willing, going into a postseason series and not having to look at starting Chad Green as a as an opener in a series. So I'm super <laughs> excited about that. But part of me is is a little wary because these big contracts have a way of not working out. Um, you know, I, you know, I got excited way back when, at one point when they signed Randy Johnson and that didn't work out. A-Rod's first contract was good. The second one was abysmal. You know, Stanton hasn't lived up to the contract. So there's just a little gnawing, little whisper in the back of my mind. That's like, let's not go too crazy out on the limb here, but I'm, I'm super excited when it happened this morning, when I woke up and I turned on my phone and I looked at Twitter and everything, and I saw 20 things and I, you know, I'm naturally pessimistic as anybody that follows me on Twitter knows me knows. So I, I had convinced myself when the angels were doing things last night where they traded Cozart to clear up money. I'm like, what's this for? What's going on here? I was nervous. So when I, saw, I woke up this morning, I turned on my phone and I saw I had 20 notifications on Twitter. And I'm like, this is either going to be good or it's going to be everybody heckling me because he's now an angel. And so I cautiously looked and I, I was very happy. I'm, I'm very happy. I, I don't want mean to sound subdued. It's, it's Christmas morning. It's all good. You left out some terrible contracts from the 21st century. Jason Giambi, you left that one out? Yes. Ke- Kevin Brown, does that one count? Yes. Yeah, of course. God, yeah, it was horrible. Jacoby Ellsbury, Kevin Brown, Jacoby Ellsbury. Well, yes. I, well, that one I knew was a disaster from day one. And anybody, I screamed from the heavens. They never should have signed Ellsbury. The minute he put the ink, put the ink on the paper, I was screaming and wailing about that. Well, everybody I, knew that. Obviously, my goal here is to make you feel worse about this by the end of the phone call. Of course, so, but that's not really going to happen. One of my favorite Twitter accounts at Red Sox Stats who. I, yes. I think they just should have hired as the Red Sox GM. He just put side-by-side stats of David Price, his career stats when he signed that huge contract with the Red Sox, and then Cole's career stats when he signed the huge contract for $100 million more with the Yankees yesterday. And they're very similar, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar. In fact, so similar, I'm not even sure which guy is which. But one well, of them he's, went, not the, he's not the delicate little head case that David Price is, though. He he has shown plus I don't even know if he plays Fortnite, so I have no concerns in that regard that he's gonna turn into David Price. Well one of I them mean, there's always a risk with pitchers. Obviously, you know, there's a there's an injury risk, obviously, but um and I, I just I'm I don't know. He's a better pitcher than David Price. He's a better pitcher than David Price was at the time the Sox signed him. But is he? Cause here, yeah. here's their career whip heading into those seasons. One thirteen, and one thirteen, 
They're the same whip. You yeah. paid a hundred million dollars more. You just for for David Price two point oh. Uh, one guy went ninety four. Here's, here's here's another big difference. Yeah. You know what another big difference is? The new Yankees pitching coach is a fellow Holy Cross Crusader. Yeah. With a with a double major in like philosophy and psychology. Are you telling yeah. me he's not going to be able to work some Jesuit magic on Garrett Cole to make him even better than he is? David Price did not have access to the Jesuit Holy Cross magic that you and I are so enamored and, and familiar with. <laughs> yeah. So it's... really Matt Blake of a fellow crusader working his magic with Garrett Cole. I mean, it's the, really the world is our oyster. It's a great week for that argument when our basketball team lost to UMass Amherst, a dip three yeah, school. Uh, or UMass uh, Boston. Yeah. Which UMass did it wasn't we lose even to? UMass Amherst. That would be respectable. Yeah, it was a Division three team. It was UMass Boston? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe so. We lost to a Division three team for the first time in 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. That great was job, great. guys. Way, way, way to keep like that program one, going. I think they're like one and seven now, too. So. No, it's worse. They're one and nine. Oh, so I missed a couple of losses. Hey, which which out of the two, which one do you think was ninety four and fifty two heading into the new contract, and which one was one hundred four and fifty six between Price uh, and Cole? Because I don't uh, really know the answer. Which one had the <laughs> ERA plus of one twenty seven or the ERA plus of one twenty six? Hard to say, but those seem pretty damn close to me. But you're, yeah, but but the. <laughs> But your guy, who you're, this is amazing to me that you're you're using your own guy's stats to downgrade the Yankees signing. You're, yeah, you're number that's two what I'm doing. Starter. Yes, you're number two starter. That World you're Series hero. The bus. Right. <laughs> well, that's just it. He won a World Series. You wouldn't trade that. You wouldn't get rid of that contract. He won you a World Series. He was a key cog in the 2018 World Series championship. Not only would I get rid of that contract, I think it's being offered to everyone in the league right now. All 2019 yeah, well, can have it. Is, but weren't you the guy, weren't you like the last guy buying David Price stock? Don't you have like a, a lot of stock certificates in David Price? Weren't Listen, you the guy saying, give me all the David Price stock? It's and not. Now you're trying to dump it like it's October 1929 on Wall Street? It's it's not my feelings about David Price. It's your feelings about David Price. <laughs> Somebody you have mocked and maligned for the last four yeah, years. Yeah, he's not David. Yeah, because that's David Price. He plus the plus the Yankees, your arguably biggest rival, own him. Have owned Price his whole career. They owned him in Tampa Bay, and they own him as a Red Sox. So I've always enjoyed playing against David Price from a Yankee fan perspective. Garrett Cole, while his numbers, I think you know, he's a, a semi lofty ERA at Fenway. I saw it's like three point nine four. It's not David Price levels of ownership by the Red Sox that versus your biggest rival. Well, he's not David Price. He's better than David Price. He's better than David Price was when David Price signed that contract. Much better. You keep telling yourself I don't care that, what Johnny. The numbers show which are skewed from when he started out in Pittsburgh. I'm talking about what he's done lately in Houston, where he's he, been one of the two best pitchers in the American League. What's it, what are his stats going to look like when people aren't hitting trash cans on the side of the uh, of the dugout as he's? <laughs> Well, that getting is a legitimate concern because I'm sure they, whatever dark arts they used, I'm sure they had it for pitching too with Pintar or whatever, but you know, he's learned, he's learned the nefarious lessons and he'll bring those with him. I'm sure even without somebody there to whisper in his ear. Um, Garrett Cole's last two years in Pittsburgh, seven and 10, 12 and 12. That's a lousy team. No interest. He's young. Turned it around. And no, and no trash cans and video surveillance either. The Astros are like, <laughs> Whatever America thinks of the Patriots, the Astros are like the 10.0 yeah, they version. Really are. They're like That's Russia the and Ukraine. The, the Patriots are just like a hacker. 
The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, oh, let's let's look at uh, I'm just just curious looking at uh, Garrett Cole's playoff stats. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't see a World Series trophy for him. So he's well, never. He can't, he's, can't win it by himself. He's never really. He's in the World Series last year. They lost. Right. So it's he'll the fit only in. Time he's been in there. In that respect, he'll fit in with everyone else on your team because nobody in your team has won a World <laughs> Series, right? Brett Gardner. Did he win Brett a World Gardner Series? Brett Gardner has a World Series ring. He does. Yeah. So that's good. He can show Garrett Cole the ring, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, you're, it's it's true. The Yankees have not been in the World Series in ten years, but we know that the you know twice twice now that they've been they've been sent out of the postseason because of the criminal acts of the of the Houston Astros. That is true. We <laughs> both have that one. You can't compete against criminals. And then they lost in 2018 to the Red Sox. And we know that your manager was knee deep in the criminality. Wow, and no. was really one of the no. one of the main conspirators. So that has to come with an asterisk as well. So while technically true that the Yankees have not been to a World Series in 10 years, there's a lot of, a lot of caveats with that. I think that's why we beat the Astros in 2018, because they knew Cora knew they all of their surveillance it. tricks. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's they were like, exactly shit, right. we have to beat these guys fair and square. They couldn't do it. Because, <laughs> right, Cora knows our tricks. He knew, where, he knew where all the signals were so that they couldn't pull that shit. That's George, right. George Springer's like, fuck, where's the trash can noise? I don't know if it's going to be a breaking ball here. Could somebody hit a trash exactly. can against the dugout? That's yeah. one of the things I'm so looking forward to this season because presumably Major League Baseball is going to crack down on, on all their criminality. And I'm mm. curious to see how guys like Altuve do when they don't know what's coming. You know, that'll be interesting to see. I just want to know what would have happened if the Patriots had been involved in a scandal of of the, the heft that this Astro scandal had. The oh depth of it. It would have burned down. It You're talking down like a three-year thing with... 50 people involved game after game and paranoid opponents and all that. And the Patriots have some doofus who doesn't even work for the team, like wandering around the Browns media thing, just taping the Bengals sideline from far away. And people are like, there they go again, cheaters. It's like, imagine (laughs) if Belichick was banging trash cans against the Gatorade bucket every time he thought there was going to be a draw play. Absolutely. Well, what else do you do this this, uh, winter, Johnny? Is this it? Is this it for the suddenly yeah. splurgy Yankees? I would like to see them bring back Batances on a one-year deal. I guess he's looking for a one-year deal to sort of stabilize the bullpen, but I, I don't know if they're going to do that. And I guess they're going to bring back Brett Gardner because uh, Aaron Hicks is having Tommy John surgery or some sort of surgery. Yeah. He's out for a lengthy period of time, so I think they're going to bring back Brett Gardner for one more run. And I hated that before because I'm like, I think there's less less expensive options, and you know he's 40 years old, and I could watch somebody else hit 123 in the postseason for a lot less money, but I'm in a good mood today. We've got Garrett Cole. So it's like, let's bring back the veteran presence. They all seem to like Brett Gardner. So what the, what the hell? Why not? How many, what the heck? How many more years with, uh, with Chapman and well, they just re-upped them. They just, they just extended them. Oh, coming off the red hot postseason. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's going to happen with closers. He had a solid year. He had a very solid year, but yeah, obviously, you know, he gave up the, he gave up the hit that ultimately sent them home. Yes, that is the truth. There's been some that Gary the Sanchez truth. trade rumors too. Well, that wouldn't really break my heart. Cause I'm not sure he, he's the guy, if you could get something for him and I think they could, you could probably sell high on him. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. 
I also, there's rumors they're shopping uh, Stanton for a ham sandwich and a six pack was, I, I was what the White too, Sox but, offered. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. The, the Yankees countered with a ham and cheese sandwich and a case. So they're, they're going back and right. forth. Back and forth on that. That's good. That's we'll see good. what happens. Good you think one. Stanton, will he play, will he play a hundred games this year? hundred at bats? He played 158, 100 I believe, the first year. Like 150 plus the first year of the contract. He had a injury, obviously injury riddled season last year, but I'm sure he'll come back strong now in the, uh, in the new campaign. It's all we can hope for. Maybe change the trainer. What's your speaking of making splashes and trades? What's what's your squad doing there? We are you still crying poverty and we have to trade everybody because they can't afford, even though they sell out every single game and and market everything in the stadium. They they can't pay the salaries of the players that we're going with. Well, Johnny, it's tough when you're raking in a half a billion a year in revenue, <laughs> and the payroll right. dips over two hundred million, and the profit only becomes. You know, two hundred plus million a year. It's tough. You gotta, you gotta cut some corners. Tough to, tough to keep it going. You're practically on the soup line. Yeah, it's the stuff. The stuff that's on the internet. I'm just dumbfounded by the like, and nobody knows what's true and not true. But um, but there was even Red Sox stats yesterday on Twitter was like, what if they trade bets with a contract and then sign Rendon for cheaper, and then he can also play in the infield. And I was like, that's actually a pretty good idea. But wait, why are we trading Mookie bets? Yeah, we, exactly. we have so much money. What are we doing? So right. um, my hope and dream is that Ben and Tende can be attached to a pitcher contract. Yeah, I saw that speculation on the online today. Because they've already they been floating out. You get rid of Price, you take Price and his salary, and you, but you get Ben and Tende as well. Yeah, and, and they're, they're already kind of floating out this stuff about he put on too much weight last year. He was too strong. It hurt his oh, speed. Go. He's he's got to get the back Bob to Holder being special. Yeah, he's got to be back to being the athlete. You know, get oh, get that boy. speed back. All these stats saying like his jumps on balls weren't as good. He wasn't as fast in the base pass because he's carrying too much weight. He's trying to be a home run hitter. Now let's go back to you being you. So they're getting right. that out, which makes me wonder if he's getting shopped. Yeah, yeah, that's all she wrote for him. Well, but the thing is, he wasn't very good last year. So I don't, that's not a very enticing thing. But on the other hand, like, I do think somebody like Price, if it's three years for like 92 million, whatever he's got left versus, you know, what's left on the market. And if you don't want to spend 300 plus million on somebody, but if you're the angels and you have money to spend, you know, we get Price, he's a world series hero. Um, we need somebody who can throw 200 innings market. Yeah, it's a little, it's a shorter commitment. I th- I think they're going to be able to move him without attaching anybody to the contract. Maybe they'll end up paying no, some of it, but that's it. A lot of money though. I don't. You're not you're not going to give up that whole. Nobody's taking on that whole contract. Or maybe we pay thirty million of it. But if if I was the Angels and I could get, I could get Price and they pay thirty million and I have him for twenty million a year for three years. Like I I actually yeah, think I that's a pretty horrible. good deal because he's going to pitch. And there's not a lot of starters. I mean. The, the starters on the market's pretty bleak. And then there's, it's just funny how when teams need stuff and the market goes out of whack, like there's two third basemen, but five teams need a third baseman. So the market's like right. completely insane for the two third basemen, which usually right. leads to a disaster. Um, I mean, that's why it was a perfect storm for Cole because the Yankees were in the market for a starter 
and once Strasburg signed, and he was well, he he was a bigger name even than Strasburg because he's younger and, and less injury prone. Knock on wood, but. Um, it was a perfect storm for him to get the Yankees involved and get West Coast teams involved. Like Boris had to be like, oh, oh yeah, yes. <laughs> this is working out perfectly. So that was good for him. Boris, timing. Boris is definitely the hit or miss agent of our of our lifetime because he'll have some other yeah. ones where it's it just is the opposite of how everybody thought it could go to a point that it's pretty embarrassing. And then he'll have these ones right. like Cole when he just plays it perfectly and he's got the three bitters, there's desperation on all sides. The angels seems like the angels seem like they've lost their minds. They, they paid 350 million to buy the angel stadium and all the surrounding area for it. And it's honestly one of the most depressing places to go to a baseball game. Cause it's just like acres of parking lots that they don't do anything well, he wants with to change that. That's what I've heard is that he didn't, he buy it. Now he's going to develop it and have like a whole area, you know, basically like sort of what the Patriots did around Gillette, where they have like a whole city that built up around the stadium. And he wants to, you know, sort of inaugurate that with a big splash. That's why they thought they were going to throw the bank at Cole or at Rendon and try to put some people with trout to gain some interest and build a contender. I mean, that, that was what he kept saying. That's what made me nervous from a Yankee perspective. Yeah, but here's the thing. Maybe he would just write crazy checks. They already have trout to be the face of whatever the fuck they're going to do there. And also like, you know, when you have the whole development around Fenway, that makes a ton of sense. It's downtown Boston. People have immediate access to it. They can hop in a cab, go down there or whatever. Same thing like if the Mets did that with Shea Stadium, where now people could beat the traffic and go at like 3.30, 4 o'clock, have some yeah. drinks, do the whole thing. Nobody wants to spend like more time in Anaheim. <laughs> people are like, cool. Now I get two and a half more hours in Anaheim. I'll go early. Spend some Anaheim time. Uh, I just, I don't see it. As I've said many times, Anaheim is the Worcester, Massachusetts of the West coast and (laughs) with a theme park. But, um, I just don't see how that would be more enticing. The, the team that would be, if the, if the team that, if they did it would be, I would be really intrigued how it went is the Dodgers. Cause they have that, they're on that big hill. Mm -hmm. And if they put some fun stuff, cause basically you're just going to Dodger stadium and then you go in. There's nothing yeah, yeah. around there. There's nothing, there's nowhere to meet. If you meet somebody, you have to basically meet them right outside the stadium. I think that's the smartest thing the Red Sox owners did with Fenway is turning that whole area into just 40 options when you go down there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, that is good. That is a good thing. And you can, you can like go in and come out on the, on, well, it's not Yaki Way anymore, Jersey Street or whatever it's called now. You could go, you know, go into bars. Yeah, we can't, we canceled Tom Yaki. No, no, can't we can't call it that? God forbid. They're like, um, get that guy the fuck out of here. He said some stuff right. in 1938. Right, right. So, uh, but that is a good thing around there, and and there is no equivalent to Yan- anywhere around Yankee Stadium around there. I mean, I know they have like a Hard Rock thing built into the stadium, but it's not anywhere near the same. You're not going into those bars around Yankee Stadium generally. By the way, I. Just to be clear, I think they should have canceled Tom Yaki because he has a very complicated yes. history. I just think it's funny Absolutely. when we cancel people who are dead and can't defend themselves. Tom Yaki's right. somewhere right now like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it's not called Yaki Way anymore. I'm dead. Right, right. So now, Tom, sorry. You've been you've been sorry, retroactively Tom. canceled even though you're dead. You don't know what's going on. Um, 
Is there any other baseball subplot you're excited about? Um, no, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the Astros. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Mookie Betts. You mean like, talked about that. like prison time for the Astros or their actual offseason well, moves? I'd like to see them disbanded, actually, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I actually think <laughs> they, they, there's a roadmap to them moving into a different phase of this whole contending run because they lose Cole in all those innings. And then Verlander is now hitting his late 30s. Unless, yeah, he's not getting any younger. Unless they can keep working their wink, wink, magic, wink, wink right. with Verlander. I think it's tough to just count on that dude for 210 innings a year plus playoffs. And now there's rumors they might trade Correa because they may be sort of in a rebuilding mode, a retrenchment mode because, I mean, you know, this this sign-stealing thing is a big deal. Yeah. And I know that's coming from a bitter Yankee fan, but that's an enormous advantage. And, you know, I've, I've watched Zep, Zep Bruder like films on, on Twitter of the, of where it's broken down. Who's your guy? John boy. <laughs> yeah. John boy, where it's blatantly <laughs> obvious that they're banging on a, on a garbage can to, sh- to warn you that a, that a breaking pitch is coming. Yeah. I mean, that's an enormous advantage. And there, you know, there's videos from their, own World Series DVD where when Altuve is running through the tunnel up into the locker room and you can see a guy sitting at the or standing taking down a TV screen from their little nook where they would send next to a garbage can. I mean, that's outrageous that they had cameras on this. And, and you know, if the stuff comes out, there's all these rumors about how they wore band-aids with like electronic buzzers on their batting gloves. I mean, that's really egregious. It's, it's, it's outrageous. That's why George Springer's Seems so like lively and excited. He's being electrocuted by the buzzer in his batting glove. You know, everybody is a, has a, somebody on the bench. Zimmer used, Don Zimmer used to be really good at it. And I guess Carlos Beltran is known as, as legendary at it that he, he could pick up the signs. And it's one thing if you're, you know, you're yelling out fastball or, you know, you're signaling, but when you start to use technology and, and, you know, electronics to do this, that that's well above and beyond the normal sort of gamesmanship to out and out cheating. It's really outrageous. I agree. And I don't feel like anybody really cares because baseball is turned into a sport where we only care about our own teams. We're like right. parents in an elementary school where we just care about our kids. We don't care about the other kids. And it's the same thing with the Astros where it's like, yeah, if this was football where we care about all the teams, people would be losing their minds. Even forget the Patriots example. Imagine if just like the Rams had been doing this the last three years. This would be all we talked about every day. That Sean McVay, right. what's going to happen to his legacy? What about the coaching tree? Is he going to get fired? Should we go back and change the results to games? Like people would lose their minds. And with I mean, this, if, if you know, if you if it came out that like you know there was a there was an earpiece in the def, in the defensive team's helmets, and the coaches could say, "and it's going to be a draw play to eighty three, you know, like that was that's a big deal if you know right. what the play is. That's a big deal. Like people would go crazy about that. It's a big deal when you know what the pitch is coming. You don't have to like you know you don't have to guess. You you know that's a huge deal. That's a huge advantage for the hitter. It's outrageous, and they want they want a fucking World Series with because of it. Yeah, like imagine if they had in hockey and, and they were sending the guy's helmet, the other guy's just going to skate around aimlessly. <laughs> and then he's going to pass to somebody else and then that guy's going to just circle around the net and then he's going <laughs> to stop and skate aimlessly the other way. LeBron's going to pick advantage. the ball up at half court and walk into the key. 
without dribbling. James Harden's going to stay at midcourt for 20 seconds, bagging the trash cans. <laughs> oh, they're running that play with James Harden again. We messed up for 20 seconds. <laughs> um, all right, before we go, just very quickly, how are we feeling about the uh, 2020 election? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to be shocked to see Trump win, I think, at this point. I mean, this impeachment thing does not really seem to be playing very well with the public. I mean, there's not like a you know groundswell. You know, people obviously don't really care for him, but there's not really like a groundswell of people who are like, yeah, he's, we've got to get rid of him. And the economy seems to be doing well. Unemployment is really low. And, and I mean, it looks like the Democrats are coalescing around Joe Biden, who's you know, arguably their strongest candidate in the in the Midwest, Pennsylvania, and states that they need to win. But you know, he, he, I'm not sure. I'm not sure old Joe's got it in him. And when a push comes to shove, and you're like, well, if it's between two idiots, you know, maybe we'll stick with the idiot we have. I, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to do. Trump is down minus one forty. Yeah, he's a favorite. And what's even crazier is Mayor Pete is the third highest odds right now. Yeah, which is insanity. Never I mean, been anything you know, other than a mayor. Yeah, of South Bend, Indiana. I mean, if if you're the mayor of New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, you're arguably, you know, well, Bloomberg, I guess, would make the case. Arguably, you're you're experienced enough to be the president, but I'm not sure being the the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is really like a, the the natural springboard to be the president. It doesn't feel like people have fully. Of course, we have a game show host as the president now. So what do I know? Game but shows. That's he's, being he's kind. Totally unique. It's being What's kind. That? Calling him a game show host is a compliment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it seems like we're going to hit 2020. The new year is going to happen. And then everybody's going to be like, oh, so this is this is everybody? Right. This is, these are all the, this is it? This is who we settled on? And then it's complete panic's going to set in. And Trump will start doing the whole... They can't even find somebody to beat me. Are you kidding me? Look at it. he'll start denigrating them as a as a whole group. Where well, Bloomberg it, just got into the race because he's like, you know, he he doesn't think Warren and Sanders can win, and he didn't think, you know, he's more of an establishment guy, and he, you know, like a Biden, and he doesn't think Biden has it. I mean, Biden's a, a gaff machine. You know, the other day he was in Iowa and he didn't know what state he was in. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to know you're in Iowa. There's you know? a lot of states, though. I mean, in his defense. <laughs> well, that's true. He had a, he had a one out of proposition, but 50 you know, states you gotta know you're, gotta know you're in Iowa. You gotta know that. Yeah. And then Bloomberg's like, we can't, we can't elect somebody as, as old and adamant as Biden is. By the way, I'll be 79 in 2020. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I'd be yeah, 83 right, right. at the end of my first term, but it'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I shouldn't be allowed to drive or coach an NFL team, but I can run the country. But. What do you? What a year we have in store for us, Johnny. Did you watch Succession yet? Fun. Did I watch? No, I have not watched Succession Can you yet, do that no. as your Christmas present for me? I will. That will be my Christmas present to you. My Christmas card is actually going to be a picture of me watching Succession. That would be great. I'm going to have my wife take a picture of me watching it, and I'm going to send that to you exclusively as my Christmas card. I also have another show for you to watch. This one I really right. encourage. This It's a faster watch than Succession. Succession, you have to watch 20 episodes. It's called Mrs. Fletcher. It's on HBO. Catherine Hahn. She's a mom whose kid goes off to college and the wheels start to come off. All right. I know she's a big favorite of yours. She's a podcast guest. This is a very good show. I can't believe the, it seems like it just came and went. Nobody saw it. It was one of the weirdest TV shows of all time. I loved it. 
I thought she was great in it. But more importantly, it is just fucking bonkers. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, it is. It is bonkers. Kyle's been over at my house a couple of times editing the Sunday night podcast as I've been watching it. And he's just like, what's going on? Like, there's just things happen on the show. Yeah. Without context, especially. But yeah, I would recommend uh, Mrs. Fletcher. All right. Jacko, congratulations on Garrett Cole. I hope you get a year and a half out of him before his career falls apart. And uh, and happy new year if I don't talk to you on the podcast. I'll talk to you in real life, but not on the podcast. All right. Happy new year in a podcast way. I'll talk to you in real life. All right. All right. Take care. Bye, Jenny. Bye. Okay, thanks to Windhorst and Jacko and Mallory. Thanks to State Farm. Thanks to AMC, where Elf is coming on Monday with the rewatchables, 8 p.m. Thanks to Allbirds, stylish, comfortable, sustainable. They come in a wide range of colors inspired by nature. A variety of silhouettes to keep you looking your best in whatever situation you find yourself this holiday season. The perfect gift to make the holidays a little less uncomfortable for everyone on your list. Give the gift of comfort this holiday season or get a pair for yourself at Allbirds. Dot com. Thanks to Square, more than a little white credit card reader. All kinds of tools built to run any kind of business from payroll to online stores. Go to square.com slash go slash BS to see all the ways you can take your business from Square One to whatever's next. I will be back on Sunday night. Kyle will be in Puerto Rico and hopefully still alive. A lot of rumors of Jim Cunningham stepping in for one pod. We'll see what happens. Yeah, producer Jim. I might I might have to produce this one myself. We'll see if Jim we'll see if Jim makes it. We're trying to book him. He's a very busy man. And uh enjoy the week and we'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>